Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Right into the back post, and a chance to make it 2-1, and they do. It seemed like it was going to be a chance for Portland to clear. But the new kids on the block are singing and dancing again as they've taken their first lead of the night. Let's get nasty on a Monday. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 201, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And oh! Canada with the game winner for City SC as they beat Portland two to one over the weekend. Three in a, a drubbing, row. Anthony. In soccer, they call that a drubbing. Absolutely. And sure. you for our oh, fade or follow guy, Rob, right? Rob yeah. is participating. Yeah, fade or follow. Rob is our guy, yeah. Jamie, for the third straight straight week, you uh you cashed again. All you have Rob. to do. Is take the follow me. Follow me on my journey to St. Louis City SC undefeated season. Beautiful. Do you want to talk to the guy that scored the game winner? Actually, hang on a second. Andrew, get Kyle on line one, please. Can you get can you get Kyle Hebert on, on line one? I got him on line one, well, gentlemen. Well, then let's go to the Brown and Crubin celebrity line. That's right, Kyle Hebert of your St. Louis City SC. The man who scored the game winner on Saturday night. To put you up 3-0 now in the inaugural season is joining us. Kyle, congratulations on not only the personal success on Saturday, but uh, being 3-0 thus far. This MLS league is pretty easy, huh? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, okay, we had to, to fight for all three of the wins, and I think we ended up going behind in all three of the games. Um, so we're making it a little harder on ourselves, but getting the job done in the end. Yeah, so Kyle, that's right where I was going to go with you on this one is you're down 1-0 there, and then you guys battle back right before halftime to even it up. And then so what was the strategy then at halftime? Like what did Bradley talk about or you guys as a group talk about what you were going to try and do early in that second half to try and gain the advantage? Yeah, I mean, we know always going on the road, you know, 1v1 duels all over the field um, are so important, just fighting and trapping and then, and then off of those 1v1 duels, the ball pops up in areas. And then just being the team that's able to pick up those second balls, you know, when we go long, they go long, that changes the ebbs and flows and momentum of the game. I thought we did a good job of that in the second half. Kyle, when you guys, so as you mentioned, you guys have gotten down three straight times now, yet you've rallied back three straight times. What What is it about this team that has already, despite being the first year, shows that grit? And, and did you see that in, you know, the 
basically the preseason, the lead up to the season? Yeah, I think I saw a couple things that made me confident in this team's ability. One was just the cohesiveness right off the bat. Like, I think from top to bottom, we've got a locker room of guys who, you know, care about each other, who want to who be around each other. So these road trips are a lot of fun. And then you can also see within that there's a, there's a gritty competitiveness that, that flows through the whole team. And I think that gives us confidence that no matter what happens early on in games or if we fall behind, that we'll be able to do what it takes to, to try and fight and find a goal, find an equalizer, and then eventually find a winner. So, Kyle, take us through your goal uh, right there because I think it was at the 74th minute of the game and ball comes across and you get a header on it. Was that was that play designed for an opportunity like that or were you just in the right spot at the right time and you took advantage of the moment? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple different different options. You know, Edu serves, uh, serves a great ball in, um, you know, really heavy and, and really tests the back line, putting it in between, you know, the back line and the goalie, so it's tough for the defenders to get there and clear it or for the goalie to get there. And then we've got a couple runs actually in front of me that I think it looks like someone's going to touch the ball, and so everyone kind of pauses. But, you know, just kind of putting myself in a dangerous spot for if the ball does trickle through that that I'm in a goal-scoring position is, is what I try and do. Kyle Hebert, the man who scored the game-winning goal for City SC on Saturday night in a 2-1 victory over Portland, joins us right now in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Seltzer. So, Kyle, you had you had committed to Missouri State University, so you're familiar with this area. What was it like then to join City SC? I imagine that, you know, the moment's kind of special for you, given, again, since you, you had committed to Missouri State at one point. Yeah, yeah. Missouri State, you know, is three hours away. And so it kind of felt like when I signed for St. Louis City SC, the second team in 2022, that I was I was functioning like a little bit of a homegrown player. Even though I was from three hours away, I was from in the Midwest. St. Louis was the closest MLS team um, to where I went to college. Funnily enough, my wife, Cassidy, is from St. Louis. Her family's all here. So it was the perfect fit for me and, and my family from the from the jump and we're so happy that we get to be here and and i get to play professional soccer here all right kyle let's dive back into the history of your career because i'm from ottawa canada i ended up here drafted by the blues and then retired here following my hockey career you're from manitoba how does a kid from manitoba carve his path all the way down to st louis city sc playing in the mls yeah it's been it's been a long journey for sure um, with ups and downs. I, I always was playing soccer as a kid. Um, I ended up getting, when I was uh, 17, I had a couple caps with the U18 Canada Youth National Team. I think that I was able to add to my resume. And so when I checked out Division One colleges, they could see that that was on there. Missouri State ended up being the best fit, you know, soccer-wise and, and financially-wise in terms of what they could offer me. And then I was actually there for six and a half years. I was playing there for three and a half years. I had back-to-back season-ending knee injuries my first two seasons. And then COVID came and I had another another bonus year. So I was really able to develop as a, as a player and as a person while at Missouri State quite a bit. Now, where are you from in Manitoba originally? Uh, just outside of Winnipeg. A little town? Small town, yeah, LaSalle, Manitoba, Canada. Yeah, I know it. I, I I haven't been there, but I know of it. I spent some time in Winnipeg. 
I know I know a couple of those little towns are there. So, well, congratulations on get finding your way down here to St. Louis because that's an amazing journey. I know myself growing up playing a little bit of soccer. It's not the easiest thing to find year-round soccer up in Canada. So you you battled the odds on that one. But Kyle, I want to go back to St. Louis City SC, your first game here in St. Louis. We haven't had the opportunity to talk to anybody yet from the team following that game, but man, what an atmosphere. Like it was 22,000 plus, but it felt like it was 50,000. As a player, you know, to walk us through that, the, the experience of walking out onto the pitch and seeing all the people and realizing, you know, how loud they are and how passionate they are. Walk us through that whole day. Yeah, I mean, it was such a special day for me, just knowing how many people were going to be able to, to tune in and watch on, on TV. But then also my parents flew in, my sister, my brother-in-law flew in, my wife was there, some of my wife's family, some of our really close family friends were there. So to just have, and even more, there's other people there that I'd grown up with, played soccer with. So it was like a lot of the soccer community and my family that had been supporting me was at that game. And yeah, the atmosphere was absolutely electric. I don't think one person in the 22 and a half thousand people sat down the entire game and they were going absolutely nuts. You know, it, it, you know, so fun to play in. No one can hear anything on the field. Like you're trying to, which is part of the experience in the environment. Like you can't really, unless someone's within five feet of you, you can't pass the message along. And so that, that's where that trust comes in that we have with each other is just knowing where players want to receive the ball, knowing how we want to press and move and shift because it's, it's not always the easiest. I can't say to our right back, Hey, you got to tuck in and, and connect with me, but he's just got to know that that's what he's doing. And, you know, Jake does a great job of that. So just little moments like that are what made that experience so, so special. A couple more things for Kyle Hebert of St. Louis City SC. Kyle scored the game winner against Portland over the weekend. Kyle, I got to ask you, growing up in Canada, I got two questions. First question is, you wound up in soccer and not in hockey. Were you also a hockey player at one point? I uh, never organized, just with friends on the river. Okay, fair enough. Second question, are you a Jets fan? Yes, I am. Good <laughs> answer, Kyle. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, but he's got he's a Blues fan now, Anthony. Uh, that's not what Kyle said. I know. Well, I, I'm both, guys. guys oh, I'm both. boy, so here I, we go, the whole both thing. No, I support the Jets, but I actually had a chance um, earlier this year. We got to do some of the, – with the Blues players actually – you know, juggle the soccer ball around a little bit before the game. And so I actually got to meet some of those guys. Um, and, and, you know, so I can, I'm supporting both teams now. Um, and if they ever meet in the playoffs, then I'll have a serious decision on my hands, but uh, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. See, Anthony, us Canadians, we're very diplomatic. Yeah, we're very nice. I see that. Right. We mm-hmm. can share the love. Right. You should learn from hey, this, I- Anthony. I appreciate that, Jamie. That's a good word. That's right. That's right. We got to stick together, Kyle. So, so you had an opportunity to practice a little bit with the Blues players. You said, "Yeah, yeah. Those guys are. Uh, those guys have got some some technique. You can you can see that they do this because I, I think they do it before every game. So I think uh, I've described it as a little unorthodox but effective." Just <laughs> You know, come to think of it, yeah, we've seen them play either the, the hacky sack before games or or they get the soccer ball and they're, they're passing it back and forth. Jamie Jamie has picked up the the uh, sport of soccer a lot, a lot quicker than I have because he played hockey. Do you find that there's a lot of similarities between the two sports? Yeah, I think uh, 
soccer and hockey, you, you definitely have, in terms of as a defender, what, what you're thinking and, you know, you're, you're closing down the, the middle, like we're closing the middle of the goal first, keeping stuff outside. And, and I think that the, you know, in terms of the intensity, hockey's different just because for a lot of it, you're just going full speed and the, the pucks in play, you know, unless you have uh, a penalty or an icing or some of these moments, so there, it's like nonstop, whereas soccer, there's more, you know, it's 90 minutes. And so you've kind of got to measure your energy a little bit differently because as a central defender, I usually am not going to get subbed out a game. So I got to, I got to plan, like I gotta work hard, but I also got to work smart. And hockey is just nuts because you just leave everything on the ice, 40 seconds, 45 seconds, and then you're off. But, you know, so similar in terms of like work ethic and blue collar, but then different in terms of, you know, kind of measuring your output, I believe. Kyle, I want to follow up on that. This is a question that has come up for from our listeners who are City fans and soccer fans. I admittedly don't know the philosophy from team to team in soccer. I'm learning, but, you know, it, it'll take me a little bit. But, Kyle, when it comes to exerting that energy, you guys play a very specific style. And one of the questions that we get from listeners that are, are following you guys is, I wonder how that's going to play itself out over the course of a game and over the course of a season, especially when it gets hotter. Can you answer that for us? The style of play, you guys defensively are kind of full tilt at all times. Is is there? Do you think that there's going to be an adjustment at some point as the season wears on? Yeah, yeah. I definitely think, you know, our style is high pressure. Um, you know, we want to turn the ball over from the opposition high up the pitch and then immediately turn that in, you know, into goal-scoring opportunities and into goals, um, which we have done effectively through the first, um, you know, probably the Portland game was the only one we didn't have a goal off a turnover high up the pitch for Dalton goals. But, yeah, it is, it is something where if the teams are able to, to keep the ball and kind of move us around some, then the, the drawback would be then maybe you could be exposed or you could run yourself into the ground. But – we're actually able to to drop in and, and be compact and regain our energy again before we go. So it's 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 something that we've practiced for, something we've prepared for, where we're not just one dimensional, where we have to be high up the field, you know, 100% all the time. We can drop in, we can catch our breath, we can be in a block, and so I think just being able to switch back and forth between those two, which we have done in the first three games, you know, especially for our soccer specific and savvy watches they'll see us sometimes we're in a block we're gaining our breath we're waiting for the next trigger um, where we're all going to react and go as one so I think we'll we'll be fine there'll definitely be moments in games when it gets hotter where both teams are going to be exhausted and dead and then I'll be you know can you grind through those moments and and find a way to win your duels and win your home Kyle last thing for you here uh, as an expansion team, leadership is obviously at the forefront, and Bradley Carnell would fall at the top of the food chain when it comes to leadership. Uh, what is it about Bradley Carnell that has helped this group come together so quickly? And, you know, what is it about his coaching style that you love? Yeah, I love that he gives us a lot of freedom as players. You know, he, he says he wants us to be, to play by a certain set of, of principles where, you know, so one of those principles is like we just talked about with pressing that if one of us go, we all go. So that as a team, we're just making unified decisions with and without the ball. But then, you, and, or just when we get the ball, can we look vertical first? Can we find the quickest way to goal? 
But then there's also freedom, and sometimes that's not on. So sometimes we can swing it around, and I just, you know, we have a lot of, he talks about expressing ourselves on the field. He wants us to go out there, have fun, and express ourselves, and so it's a joy to play for him. Kyle, it's a joy to chat with you. We appreciate all the insights. We appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on the game winner on Saturday night, and uh, looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate you guys taking the time. No, we appreciate you. Thanks, Kyle. Go get him. Go get him against San Jose this week. Yeah, sounds good. We'll do. All right, thanks, Kyle. All right, thanks a lot, Kyle. That's Kyle Hebert here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. I want to have a beer with Kyle. Good old Labatt Blue. <laughs> Canadians' favorite colors, Anthony: blue and blue light. There you go. Nice. Immediately <laughs> after, immediately after Kyle Hebert scored the game winner, there eventually, you know, it was the game winner. It stood as a game winner. Uh, Jamie responded in our in our text thread saying, Marsh, I want him on Monday. Now. Get me that guy. Get me that guy. Now. Yeah, and Marsh goes, oh, okay. <laughs> Got him for 2 o'clock. So thank you to Kyle Heber for joining us. Thank you for thank you to City SC. Now 3-0 and on this season. If they win one more, that is a record, by the way. Yeah. No expansion team has gone 4-0. and Go get them. It's awesome, man. So they'll play San Jose on the 18th. What is that, Saturday, I believe? Yes. Saturday. Yes. That's going to be a tough one for you, though, Anthony. No, it's not. I'm not a San Jose fan. No, Marsh. no, hang on. He doesn't love San Jose. He just loves the Sharks and the Giants who have nothing. They're, mm. Neither of those teams are from the Bay Area. Oh, wait. Okay. Both of them I don't love the Sharks. And I okay. grew up Adore. a Giants fan because Adore. My bad. I loved Will Clark. So, But you do appreciate that. the earthquakes. No, I don't appreciate the earthquakes. You kidding me? You know, there was a horrible moment in Major League Baseball where the earthquakes stopped the World Series. Mm-hmm. I think it was a World Series. It was. It was. Yeah. And uh, the Golden Gate Bridge was going like this up and down and all around. I don't know if I like the earthquakes. Just like no. Anthony's fandom, he gets going up and no, down. No, 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 no that's no. flip and flop. Yeah, the flip it's and diff- flop. Different. Yeah. Name the year. Uh, earthquake Series. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a <clears throat> that was an earthquake series. Earthquake series. What was that? Nineteen ninety three. This is nineteen ninety three. Ninety one. Eighty nine. Yeah, oh, like 89. I said, it was in the eighties. It's a fast line on one hundred and one ESPN. You said, hey, let me finish. Yeah. Hey, from one that's Canadian always. success to another. Okay, Jamie. From one Canadian success to another, it's Tyler O'Neill shutting up everybody right now with one game. That's right, one game. That's next on one hundred and one ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. O'Neill to right, and that could chase him home. That's a diving stop by Young and right. Lost the ball. One run across, two runs across. Here comes Freeman. That chases them all home. Tyler O'Neill, 10-5. Oh, We're just starting all Canada today, aren't we, boys? Hey, finally. That's Jamie Rivers. Maple he's our, syrup for everybody. He's our very own Canadian. Here on 101 ESPN. You played for the Haps. <clears throat> I did. Short-lived, Anthony, but it was good while I was there. Still were them. Yep. With them. That's yep. for sure. You number were 48. You. 48. Your program. Number one in your heart. So you and BT both wore 48. Yeah. That's fantastic. BT wore it before me. In fact, I I picked it. 
uh, because of Brad Thompson. It makes a lot of sense. Different yeah. sport. Didn't know him at the time, nonetheless. I didn't know him, but he was kind of a hero of mine. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, no, it makes sense. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stoltzer. So Tyler O'Neill with a, a pretty strong performance, I'd say, over the weekend. Tyler O'Neill went 4-for-4 four four with the double. Two walks, four ribbies in that game for Canada as they blasted. Who was it, Great Britain? Yeah. The U.K., Great Britain. Wow. They finished third in that game. Yeah, they did. Was it eighteen to five or eighteen to eight or something third. like that? I they did. Eighteen. To- <laughs> I know Canada scored eighteen. Eighteen to eight. Eighteen to five. What do you guys think of their jerseys? Who? Great Britain. Great Britain. Yes. Okay. Mm. So here's what I thought of right away. Okay. Let me tell you a little story about Jamie Rivers. There was a place that, as a young teenager, it was called Trophies and Things, which is ironic because it was like T-shirts and jerseys and trophies and like all that kind mm, of stuff. And things. Which is and things. And so, <laughs> what's crazy is now my brother and I also have a company that's a larger scale of that, but a lot of the same stuff. I remember on Saturdays they would, I would go in and clean the office, the garbage, the vacuuming, the floors, all this. It was an easy job. Got paid a couple bucks. Well, while I was there, nobody was there, and so I would go into the back and take a jersey that or a T-shirt that had been screwed up on, and I'd <laughs> try to just make my own T-shirts. Sure. And so I'd take the letters out, place them on the jersey with the heat press, put the little piece of paper or like the wax paper on it, mm-hmm. and. You know, they go, and they go, ding, and you pull up, and you'd have a jersey like or a, a waffle t-shirt. Maker. Yeah. Like a t-shirt for the week, and it was all those block letters. Like, <laughs> yep. and some were crooked, yeah. some were not. I'm Jamie. Yeah, yeah, like, whatever, <laughs> right? That's what Great Britain literally did. They gave each of their yeah. players their jersey and said, here's a heat press. Good luck. Go for it. <laughs> like, no imagination. Somebody just whoever like the most rigid human being in the world. They Aerial said, font. "Please make <laughs> yeah. this for it." Yes, it was so bad. I thought it was a joke. Somebody did that on Paint.net. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they went to that no, old program. No, they, didn't paint. Even, they didn't even take that much time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they made it on Snapchat. It was on the Snapchat. <laughs> they did. <laughs> what font? Ah, the one they give me. All right. <laughs> like the team must have said, "We're probably not going that far." No sense in putting a lot of stock into these jerseys. But it's Great Britain. Like, you could get real creative. You could have a very nice uniform. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. They had better celebrations than their uniforms. They did. Oh, my God. Terrible. When they did score, of course. When they did score. But Canada did wax the floor with them. Yeah, they did. So, Tyler Tyler O'Neill, this has been the ongoing discussion now with the Cardinals. And eventually, like Tommy Edmond, he's going to read the uh, Team Korea will not advance out of pool, pool play. So they're going to Tom, – Tommy Edmonds going to return to camp. We thought maybe Tyler O'Neill would be on his way back soon after Canada got drubbed by Once they the beat Cubs the U.S., the U.S. will be back here. And, whoa, okay. Let's well, just pump the brakes Tell me there. it's not in play. It is totally in play. You're at the U.S., <laughs> outside of our guy, Wayno, they don't have much pitching. Really? And even then. Hmm. Uh, Jamie, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. You've got O'Neal, and he's got to continue this, but he's you got O'Neal, you got Carlson, who's looked strong in camp. Obviously, Jordan Walker's been a stud. Newt has been tearing it up for Team Japan in the WBCs, leading off. He's, you know, grinding over everybody, pepper grinding, that is. What do you do if you're the Cardinals with these four outfielders? Do well, you think that this is just going to be a massive rotation well, early right, on? Right now, uh, Unfortunately, Jordan Walker's injury has kind of made it easy for oh, the Cardinals. Stop. He's fine. 
not well, it's not serious. But I bet he goes down to Memphis to rehab properly. Oh, Jamie, I don't like your attitude on this. Not one bit. Oh, shut your pie hole. You're the one who brought it up the other day. He said, look at this already. The fake injury. I said, okay. An- Anthony, stop that. Stop you, it. You better have receipts. Stop it. Is that what the kids say, Marsh? Yeah. So yeah, actually say, they do. Better have receipts, kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't uh, say it. So either way, Jordan Walker being somewhat injured or Battling through something, I think, makes it easier on the Cardinals because you can send him down, he rehabs, you give him a couple weeks, see if what you're seeing out of Lars and O'Neal and D.C. is real, um, you know, and kind of go from there. I don't know if that's the best way to do it, but otherwise, Anthony, what do you do? All of your guys that you said prove it to me are literally proving it to you now on different stages. Mm-hmm. So new with uh, Japan – and the competition that they've faced, I don't know how strong the pitching has been or how tough the competition is. Not sure. Tyler O'Neill, you know, playing against Great Britain, who made their own jerseys. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how tough. Do you the, think somebody's mom made those? Like, I, I'll do it. That's every, fine. They had a group of moms yeah, that got together <laughs> and made those jerseys. And you know what? Good on yeah, them. They, they did they a fantastic job. Sometimes it's more about the effort than anything. That's a great point, Jamie. Uh, but Tyler O'Neill having success against that team, does that translate to, oh, I don't know, playing that way against the Dodgers? Like, I, I don't think it does. I so it's you, hard to evaluate where everybody actually is. No, it's a good point. I think when you look it's at the a great di- point, it's a great point, Jamie. I think if you Jamie, look that at was a great point, it is a great point, Jamie. Thank you. I think when you look at the WBC, it's it's absolutely comparable, probably more so, honestly, than you know what you're getting out of spring spring training games. So I think I think it's is it? Yeah, I think you got to weigh. I is think it? you got to weigh it in. Well, Great Britain struggled a little bit. They've been Team a hot USA mess. played. Who was their game against? Well, their they first... played. They played Great Britain and Mexico. Yeah, Great Britain didn't. What do we? Like, how is that comparable? How is that like something you're you're basing your evaluation on? Not one major league player, or, or maybe one or two guys that have played in the majors, and then they played Mexico, and Mexico has a couple of good players too. But it's not like you're facing a roster of major league players. And I know the same can be said about spring training. You're not getting a roster of major league players. So, again, where does a AAA player equate to a World Baseball Classic mm-hmm. player of one of the not-so-powerful teams? All I know is it's a great question. I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how they're, how they're adjusting or how they're, how they're evaluating this within the, within the Cardinals' like front office and the coaching staff. All I know is... The injury to Jordan Walker, that shoulder injury, reportedly not serious at all, and he's been he's been mashing. He's going to be on the roster. I was wrong. I th- I thought they the Cardinals would find a way to send him down to start the year. I think he's going to be in the roster, and then from there, Ollie Marmol is just going to have to figure out what what matchup he likes. So you're going to see this constant rotation, and I I wouldn't be shocked either if it, if it winds up being mostly center field. Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson maybe split in center field up a little bit at the start. Because the DH spot, look, Nolan Gorman swinging a hot bat. Wilson Contreras is going to see a little bit of time each and every week, whether it's one game or two games at DH each and every week. So you can't – the DH spot isn't just this perfect opportunity to rotate guys through. There's going to be a handful of guys that Ollie's going to look at that. I think you're going to get a rotation early on. Hell, Lars Newpark could play center field. Been, he could, certainly. He's been making some – Outstanding plays out in the outfield. He's leading off and playing center field mm-hmm. 
for, for Team Japan. Thankfully, though, because this could be the other side. Jordan Walker has struggled. You have to send him back down, and the other guys are struggling, too. When you're limping, as far as your outfield goes, you're limping into the season. Instead, everybody is contributing. Great problem for Ali Marmel and the Cardinals to have. What's trending is next in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, Mizzou over the weekend lost to Alabama. They couldn't get the job done in the SEC tournament. They are now a seven seed in the big dance, and they'll take on Utah State on Thursday while we're at Max. Uh, we'll be watching uh, the game while BK and Ferrario are doing their show. Yeah, so Max in downtown Alton is the spot. That's where we're going to be both, like, Marsh said, uh, you got us from 2 to 6. You've got BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2. But I was sh- I was actually surprised. I, and I said I'd be wrong, and I certainly was. I didn't think that Mizzou, after losing to Alabama, would be would be a 7 seed. I, I had them much, much lower. But, I mean, look, the bottom what? line is I did. Good for them, though. Alabama's one of the best teams in the country. Certainly, and they're, 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 one, they're, they're a 1 seed. seed. Yeah, yeah, they're a 1 so. seed now. But they, the Tigers haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 2010. They've lost five straight first-round contests, but they're absolutely due. This is, as we've talked about, they're a fun team to watch. They're, they're a team that will D up. They're, they're, they've kind of got the, uh, a nice little grit to them. You saw that again against Tennessee. They've got some plenty of come-from-behind victories, so you know that they're, they're comfortable if, they're, if they are trailing late. And I'm, I'm excited. I, I, hope that, I hope that Mizzou can put together a, a little bit of a surprise run here, Jamie. Yeah, let's go, man. Let's get some local flavor in it. I know uh, Illinois got a good team as well. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it, man. Let's let's have some fun with this tournament. We obviously know that anything can happen in the big dance. So why not Missouri? With the way they shoot the ball, if they if they're hot, if they get on their game, they can upset almost anybody. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, but they are a team that has proven throughout this season, no matter who the opponent has been, that when they when they're on their game, when they're hitting those 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 jump shots, when they're hitting the free throws, we're hitting the three pointers, that they can they can win a game. I said they'd make the elite eight months ago. 
That was before I noticed they'd play Arizona in the second round. Oh, it's fine. However, I still have faith in the in, in the in the Tigers, Anthony. So, uh, on the flip side of things, uh, I wanted to touch on SLU. It obviously wasn't the year that that they wanted to have. Do you think they're a little disappointed in how how things went? You know, that was a team that that started off so well, and then for them to kind of slump, you just you just saw opponents start to start to realize what the weakness was later on in the year you know them getting into the a10 tournament and they blow the doors off of george mason you think all right well maybe they'll give vcu a game and it, and it really wasn't in the second half yeah i think so i think that that's a team that a lot of people thought all right this is this is a tournament team that could upset the apple cart a little bit and instead they just they limped to the finish like i said and they they get in the a10 tournament and they they were they were no match for vcu now if you are looking for kind of a, you know, maybe not a moral victory, but just something you to, to feel a little bit better about, VCU wound up winning the A-10 tournament. So at least you lost to the team that, that won that tournament. VCU has a, has a legitimate chance of maybe making some noise in the tournament. We get a text from Thanks Dad. Uh, March Madness drinking game. Every time you hear Blue Blood, Pageantry, Big Dance, or Cinderella, take a drink. Maybe make a bingo card. Plenty of cliche phrases in this tournament. So I think the tournament starts about 11 o'clock or so, right, on on Thursday. Well, we get the first four games, but the Thursday Thursday game, the Thursday game start about 11 o'clock. If that's the case, playing that bingo game, you'd be hammered by about 11.35. Mm-hmm. 101 ESPN. Breaking news alert. Well, being reported by several sources that Aaron Rodgers has indeed been traded to the New York Jets. Trey Wingo, uh, who first broke the Rodgers to the Jets story, says it's done. ESPN and NFL Network are saying it hasn't happened yet, but the insiders are saying insiders are saying it's done. Rodgers to the Jets. I was gonna I was waiting to see how long this would take too. Because Rodgers again over the weekend went on a podcast and said yeah, it should, should happen soon. And to his credit, yeah, Monday Monday came around. Today is the legal tampering period for the NFL, which basically means it's the start of NFL free agency. I'm interested to see what the compensation is, Jamie, going back to the Packers. Yep. And I'm interested to see what the reaction is from national media pundits about how good this Jets team could be. Because I'm hearing a lot of, oh, they're definitely a Super Bowl contender. Like last year, I didn't bemoan the the Broncos trade of Ru- acquiring Russell Wilson. I didn't. It's like okay, it's interesting, but if you remember, I think the, I think to a man, the three of us were like, they still got offensive line issues. They still need another pass rusher to just acquire Russell Wilson and think they're they're Super Bowl bound was a massive stretch. I didn't see the wheels coming off so early, and so really, I mean, meme like, but nonetheless, we kind of called the the Russell Wilson thing. I'm going to call around. The, the Jets are not a Super Bowl contender. They still play in a stacked conference. Is Aaron Rodgers going to put in the work with these guys? Because last year he didn't. Reportedly because, ah, you know, it's young receivers. and you know, He's going to a team with, with a slew of young receivers, talented receivers, but young receivers. Brand, you know, he's got the familiarity with the offense a little bit because Nathaniel Hackett's there now. But still, is he going to put in the work? You got Josh Allen twice. The Dolphins were competitive last year. The Patriots are, are at least a thorn in your side, even if they're not a playoff contender. You still got to deal with the Bengals at some point. You still got to deal with the obvious, which is the Super Bowl contending or Super Bowl champion, Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. 
I don't think the Jets are automatically in that Super Bowl that Super Bowl group. Let me ask you a question. Uh, and this is not confirmed yet by the NFL or ESPN. Just all the insiders that work for ESPN are saying that this deal is done. So let's operate under the, the assumption that the deal is done. Where does Aaron Rodgers rank quarterback quarterback wise for you in the AFC? Because I find it interesting because when you go to the NFC, you're like, oh, he's the best quarterback in the conference. He's the best quarterback in the conference. But when you go up to the AFC, you got Josh Allen, you got Joe Burrow, you got Lamar Jackson, at least for now, we'll say he's with the Ravens. Mm -hmm. You've got Trevor Lawrence, a work in progress. I don't think he's there yet. But you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Justin Herbert. Like where, that's why I think what you're saying is interesting. Why would Aaron Rodgers automatically make the Jets a contender when, I mean, where would you put him in your top five or top three quarterbacks in the AFC? I, I got Patrick Mahomes, one, in a clear one. I got Joe Burrow, two, in a clear two. I got Justin Herbert, three, in a clear three. I've got Josh Allen, four. Where the conversation starts to get interesting is when you get into, like, Lamar and Aaron Rodgers. I know. But look at that. That's so a big difference from being in the NFC for Rodgers. Absolutely. And if you, if, you, if you think I'm being too harsh, look at the numbers from a year ago. He threw for thirty, almost 3,700 yards. Outside of the injury-plagued years, that was that was his worst. When you look at yards per attempt, 6.8. That's as low as it's been since 2015. And then when you look at the touchdowns, down to down to 26 with 12, 12 INTs. He hadn't thrown double-digit interceptions since 2010. You could say, well, Devontae Adams wasn't there. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl last year with... A bunch of guys that were basically cast-offs from other teams at receiver. And, of course, Travis Kelsey. I get a little tired of the narrative that, like, Aaron Rodgers, no other quarterback gets the benefit of the doubt of, like, hey, look at what's around him. But at Rodgers does. For years it was, he needs a number one receiver. He had Devontae Adams. Yeah, well, he needs a number two. Okay, offense line pretty good. Running game's pretty good. Karma should handle that. Yeah, you would think. So again, maybe I'm being maybe I'm being too harsh here, but I don't think the Jets are a Super Bowl contender. Wild card contender, absolutely. Good defense, overhyped last year. Brees Hall coming back, pretty good running game, and yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a massive upgrade, of course, from what they had at QB last year. I think they're a wild card contender. I don't I don't have them as a Super Bowl contender, but I'm glad that that trade looks like it's over. I'm interested to see what the compensation is going back to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, Jimmy G signed with the Raiders. There you go. Jimmy G, <laughs> Josh McDaniels. Reunited and it feels so good. We'll spend a little bit more time on the NFL legal tampering period later on in the show. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. I'm going to get into some blues up. I'm going to ask Jamie a question from yesterday's game. As And I shouldn't just say yesterday's game, but yesterday's opponent. And where Vegas was a year ago to where they are now, and are related to the Blues. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
We're going to keep hammering away at our rush defense and, and um, defensive zone coverage. Keep working on that. I think we're, get, we're getting better. I know that. Um, but um, tonight I thought there was some stuff off the rush that we could have killed and we didn't do it. We're a little bit passive at times. So um, we got we got to be a little bit firmer there and tighter. That's Blues head coach Craig Berube asked what the Blues need to do better. They lose yesterday to the Vegas Golden Knights. Ah. Jamie, you were on the call for Valley Sports Midwest. It was a fun game, too. I thought they were competitive. I mean, look, they're the defensive lapses there. When? Uh, well, it's a handful, like on most of their the goals. Beginning of the second period? It was pretty much, I would say the first three goals were some defensive lapses. The one that went off the guy's dome in, I mean, what are you going to do about that? Yeah, that was his, by the way. It was his first goal. First <laughs> NHL goal ever. Goes, hit, dots him right between right. The, the friggin' eyes. And the kid, like, they reviewed it because it is a you rule. You, you cannot headbutt a puck in. But this one here, as we watch on the replay, I was, I was calling, and I was like, this goal's going to count. Like, mm-hmm. it hits him in the dome, and the kid reacts. Like, you say it's, like, scared the bejesus out of him. Back yeah. into the left. <laughs> Back <laughs> into the left. But, no, it, look, for me, the game yesterday came down to the beginning of the second period. The Blues come out of the intermission sloppy and kind of slow at the beginning of the second period, and Vegas scores two goals. Bam, bam. Makes it three to one. You can't get down like that to a team like the Vegas Golden Knights. Chief calls the timeout, rallies the troops a little bit, and from there it was even Steven. Like that, it was a really good game back and forth. Jordan Bennington made a couple of big saves. Uh, some of the guys getting on the score sheet, doing a good job, good on the four check. I, very little sustained offensive zone time of possession from either team. I mean, it was a track meet. It was like up and down, up and down. Fun game. Uh, unfortunately, the Blues just, you know, they fall short uh, to a really good team. And the, but, you know, I, I thought that the, the Verona goal and the Cairo goal showed off the skill and the speed that this team does possess. I thought the passing on both goals was outstanding. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, you, you're not scoring goals like that if you don't, if you don't have eyes in the back of your head. Uh, I, I forgot who set up Verona. Was well, that, that was, so two different types of goals on on that one there? The one passing play to Cairo. I mean, that was just awesome. Yeah, you, know, you got Thomas Booch and Cairo. Which, by the way, Chief had said I might plop Bucci on the left wing with Cairo and Thomas from time to time when we need an offensive push, uh, and he did. Yesterday, he did. He took him out of center. In fact, he was playing him everywhere, for that matter. Mm-hmm. What a luxury to have a guy that you can just you know, kind of place anywhere in your lineup. But on that particular play, Robert Thomas gains the zone, and Bucci does a great job of middle lane drive, like slashing through there, taking a guy with him. He gets the puck, turns it up, fires over to Thomas, and then back to Cairo for a one-timer to get Cairo's 30th goal of the season. 30 goals for that guy. For all you people who are Cairo haters, 30 goals for Jordan Cairo. And, you know, there's still lots of games left. But then the Braden Shen goal is just being hard on the forecheck, getting in there quickly, disrupting. Shannon never stopped his legs, pokes the puck through, and then ultimately gets the puck to Verona, who puts it home. So I, I like both goals. Unfortunately for me, again, it just falls back to the beginning of the second period where they gave up two quick goals, and that's kind of the backbreaker. Yeah, and they, you just and you broke down, you were breaking down the plays for Bally Sports Midwest, and a lot of the times it's kind of 
either losing a puck battle like the like one of the first goals was losing losing the puck battle yeah that was a tough one it was justin falk and nick letty and they 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 didn't win that puck battle and all of a sudden you got you know somebody somebody coming up behind and that's a that's a missed assignment uh robert thomas also got out of, out, kind of washed out a little bit he tries yeah. to get back and it's too late and i know that plenty of people i'm sure will blame bennington but i don't I don't know what you're going to do. I did think I didn't think Bennington was as quiet in the net as we or in the crease as we have seen him for a lot of this season. I thought I thought he was getting out uh, maybe a little too aggressively at times, but he uh, still made great saves. Anthony, early I think you're game. just looking for stuff now. You think so? Yeah, I do a little bit. Okay, I might be Jamie. No, Jordan, I might be Jordan Bennington wasn't uh, like he said as quiet as as usual, but Vegas too they. Vegas has a lot of five, six foot passes near the crease. Does it force you to come up as a goalie? It forces you to come up. It forces you to go side to side. It forces you to go back, retreat. Right? There's sometimes you get locked into compete mode as a goalie, where you have to throw all of the the style points out the window and just make the damn save. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jordan Bennington did that yesterday um, at a pretty high level. He did a good job. All right. So I didn't ask the question that I had for Jamie. We'll, so we'll get to it. that. Anthony. Yeah, we'll get to that in, the, in in another hour. We got three hours left. We'll just save it. Absolutely. I, got, I, I want to talk to everybody in St. Louis about Jordan Cairo because I think they're going to be surprised at some of the things I have to say. There you go. So we'll talk a little bit about Jordan Cairo. We'll also, I, I drew kind of a comparison between the two teams that played yesterday. You got the Blues and the Golden Knights. And where the two teams are that I want to ask Jamie. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. But we're an hour in. We didn't talk about your Battlehawks. So we'll get into the game yesterday and get into the fact that uh, St. Louis sports fans, yeah, you set a record. Well done. We'll get into the Battlehawks. Another one. Next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all new, better than ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all new nitrogen infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. electric. Uh, St. Louis has been dying for a football team. We brought it back here. I'm excited that they get to see a really good product as well. These guys are hyped up to be here and uh, it's a special place. When I first got this job, I wanted to make sure like I prayed I get this this team and I'm glad I am and I'm just trying to lead by example and help these guys. But this is electric. It's awesome to be here. That audio courtesy of ESPN is the Battle Hawks win again. Impressive performance at the Dome. Home opener. 
for the Battle Hawks, and Anthony Bax was talking about it. He was praying to get this team. And what I mean, what a what an unbelievable atmosphere yesterday at the dome. Randy Carricker, very own Randy Randy Carricker, tweeted this out. He said the thirty eight thousand tickets that the Battle Battle Hawks sold on Sunday was an XFL and spring football all time attendance record. I'm not placating. It was is anybody surprised? Is anybody surprised that St. Louis showed up in droves, filled the stadium, basically demanded more more tickets? Battle Hawks delivered. They opened it up. And Marsh, you were there. You were there in I attendance. Was there, you, were, yeah. you were in the back row. <laughs> I was. Yeah. It was fun. Talk about the environment. It was nuts. It, it like just walking in. Um, you know, you kind of got this. This weird feeling like, yo, we're back in the dome. And like, there was just, there was so many people like outside. It was just, downtown was popping. Like, it, it was popping. And uh, it was, it was really fun. Like, everyone was ready to go by the time, you know, the rock came on the, the video board. And I was, I can't believe he didn't show up in person. Well, yeah, yeah come on. I was like, oh, why is the rock not there? I think yeah. the Oscars were on last night or something. I mean, he, he get wasn't that. getting one of those. Yeah. I mean, well, geez, it's a, what? I don't know. I mean, this is the <laughs> you're opening up the dome. I mean, come on, and you yeah. got to be there. This is the uh, what they call this the 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 number one team or the the what am I looking for? The model franchise that they want. I, I get there eventually, Anthony. The hamster yeah. got back. In That's his why wheel. we didn't say anything. We yeah. We realized that little that little guy would get back on the wheel and the yeah. Sometimes electricity like will several of them. Yeah. Sometimes he needs a break. There were some characters there, though. I saw one guy who had a full-on Battle hawk suit with the wings, and I, I don't even know what it was, but it, you, had dudes you saw in, the passion for sure. You had dudes in the front row with, like, their own Battle hawk, yeah. like, outfit on you, the helmets. Mm-hmm. I mean, this look, this is the model for the XFL, Jamie. You're right. This is if, – if you're The Rock and the other owners that have invested in this – you're try- whatever it is you're trying to seize on what what makes the XFL hit in St. Louis and and look part of it let's be real you got the the stank for the NFL you say really okay Cronky and his group of Nimrods they say can't support St. Louis can't support a football team all right well here's thirty eight thousand plus that are screaming their baguettes off for an XFL team this is the model. And I don't think you're going to capture it in cities that also have an NFL team or a prominent college football team. And yes, Mizzou and Illinois are, you know, kind of our quote-unquote college teams, but they're not in St. Louis. The XFL has got to try to bottle this up. That's what I would do. If I'm The Rock and I'm seeing this, or I'm somebody from the XFL and I'm seeing this, I'm saying, here's our number one mission. We have to find nine more St. Louis's so that we could put mm-hmm. our our teams in there. I don't think, no offense to like the Seattle Sea Dragon fans, I don't think it's in Seattle. No. And I don't oh, think having come on. Having a bunch of teams like uh, Houston, not the Texans aren't very good, but still having a team out in Houston doesn't make sense. San Antonio's fine. San Antonio's mm-hmm. a, a, a smaller city that you know's got a really good fan base because of the Spurs. So maybe having San you know, having San Antonio great. But I would try to be capturing what what the XFL ha- or what St. Louis has w- it, when it comes to the XFL? Thirty-eight thousand people. I honestly feel like St. Louis though is a bit of a unicorn. It, it is when it comes to this because 
you know, Marcia, you and I have both talked about this yeah. at different times too. Anthony, about it, we all when we defer right to like the the Texas and the Oklahoma, like go down there, like this is where you're going to look at what they do for college football. But that's because it's college football. People are incredibly married to their college football programs. So then where's the next hot spot for an XFL team? Like where do you go to where Mm -hmm. their passionate fan base of football people that don't already have a college team or an NFL team? Mm -hmm. And that's the trick. And an area that actually has an interest in bringing a team there. Right, and they can support it. Yeah, because that's key. Because we do have the dome, we do. You know that that's a that's a nice. It's not great, but it's a it's a fine f- facility, and that the place dome? gets yeah that place gets loud. Anthony, tell you know what we have an insider. He was at the game. That was the first time I have been in that building in ten years. Has it held up? And. Well, it's still it's still there. It's like you never left, <laughs> it, right, Marshall? I mean, it looked like I never left. I mean, but it's got a lot of character to it. There the you go, character. The field, there it is. Uh, the field conditions got a lot of character. <laughs> Last yesterday, I saw the greatest show on carpet. That's what I was calling it all day. All right, the greatest like, show on carpet. I like how the, I like how the young pro got the got the people going too yeah, was, on the microphone. Oh yeah, he was. Come on, St. Louis. I remember sitting in those very seats. Yep. Watching. I, and the Battlehawk players the day before, the two days before they came to St. Louis and did the Arch Tour. So I think, you know, I think the players have really adopted this too. They've heard a lot about it and they get to St. Louis. And yeah. Why wouldn't you? Certainly. If I'm playing in the XFL and I have a choice of playing somewhere where there's, well, I don't know, 7,000 people that show up or somewhere where there's 40,000 people that show up, I'm thrilled. And when I'm showing up to a fan base, that looks uh, that I can't figure out if I'm watching a football game with these people or a wrestling event. <laughs> I know I'm in the right place as a player, and that's kind of what I, I look at these players and, and uh, Anthony Backed and everybody who's so happy uh, to be a part of the Battlehawks. Well, yeah, no kidding, you should be. Well, I thought it was great too. They they interviewed Butler after he caught the touchdown, and they they had kind of a, a cool little small backstory where. Mm-hmm. He admitted that, you know, so Butler catches the touchdown from McCarron late, and he does the sideline interview, and he says, yeah, I was pretty much ready to give give up football. And he reached out to Anthony Becht, and he said, you know, I'm interested in playing for you. If you could, you know, if you get back to me, fantastic. We can't go for there. Well, Anthony Becht did get back to him, winds up signing with the Battlehawks, and the rest is history. Now he's the leading receiver for the Battlehawks. He's a good player. And he'd say, and he said, I'll, I'll play, I'll play for Anthony Beck any any time. So you have this head coach that, you know, on the other sidelines was Bob Stoops yesterday. Heinz Ward is a head coach. Wade Phillips is a head coach. Anthony Beck, former tight end in the NFL, was doing a lot of media work. He wants to coach. He wanted to be in St. Louis. And he's got players that wanted to be here. And we know AJ McCarron's story where he could have been a backup again in the NFL, but he decides, I want my kids to actually watch me play as opposed to being a backup. So he's in the XFL. There's a lot of cool stories. And that was a that was a tremendous performance again last night. This offense is growing. Bruce Gradkowski is, is opening up this offense. If you go back and watch week one to what we saw yesterday, you're seeing a lot more motion. You're seeing a lot more of uh, you know, play fakes behind the line. You're seeing A.J. McCarron check more. The touchdown 
that he threw the first touchdown that he threw was an audible at the line of scrimmage. You're not getting this with every quarterback. And I keep going back to this because I know Jordan Tom, who kind of took St. Louis by storm mm-hmm. a little bit in the first XFL. We were getting some, hey, Jordan Tom, who he runs a lot more. Would you rather have him or McCarron? You're not getting what you just saw yesterday with, with Jordan Tiamu, where, where McCarron looks over and just touches his elbow. He, go, he, he, he wipes it off and then yeah. he goes to his elbow. He's running a corner route because AJ McCarron saw mm-hmm. that his wide receiver was on a safety and he knows he can beat that. So he checks down, boom, touchdown. The other throw they had at Butler. Nobody else is coming down with that but Butler. Now he's got to stop turning the damn ball over. I mean, the one that sailed on him early in the game mm-hmm. where he's got to drop that in between the you know the three defenders. Unfortunately, you're getting a little bit of that. He's careless at times. Otherwise, you're going to want A.J. McCarron for spring, for spring ball. He knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy, reads defense as well. And my guy, Brian Hill, yeah, I love. Coming into the year, I said, watch Brian Hill, watch Brian Hill, watch Brian Hill. St. Louis kid. Goes to the NFL. I, th- I think he really should still be on NFL roster. Glad he's not because he's with he's with the Battlehawks. He's been great, both as a receiver and, a, and as a back. I'm hoping this upcoming weekend uh, they can continue the momentum at the Dome. It's going to be a little tough because I saw a lot of City SC fans that were also at the game. Uh, and, of course, they have a home game next weekend around the same time, Saturday oh night, boy. too. So Come we're going to see how that uh, plays into things. But it was definitely a really fun environment, uh, that home opener for the for the Battlehawks. So I'm hoping it continues. It's a rematch versus D.C., too. Yeah. So I've looked at, I've looked at these teams. Now, the, the St. Louis hasn't played everybody yet. But as I, was, as I was watching these games over the last couple of weeks, I think Houston's one, D.C. is two. But I think St. Louis is a clear three, and then you have a big drop off. Seattle's entertaining, but they're not they're not well coached, and their defense is okay. Everybody else, Vegas, Orlando, Orlando can't score. Vegas can't score. San Antonio's not great, and I'm missing one other team. I think maybe not. Houston, DC, and St. Louis. Those are the, those are the top three, and then I think there's a big there's a big drop off mm-hmm. from there. I agree. Houston's pretty good. Houston's got a nasty defense. I thought the offensive line looked way better than they had They're in getting the there. previous three games. They're I even made there. a point to say that while I was watching the game. I was like, wow, the offensive line looks pretty good. A lot of that, the motions and fakes will help with that, too. Mm-hmm. Like you saw the one play where they got they got everybody flowing right. McCarron came back left. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be huge. Get, get it on the move a little bit. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Adam Wainwright. He performs for Team USA, and a lot of people keep citing one thing. You know, he was competitive in that game. Only gave up one run. But a lot of people are citing only one thing. And how big of a concerning aspect is it, that one thing? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And it's Adam Wainwright, the 41-year-old from Brunswick, Georgia, who's about to begin his 18th Major League season, pitching in his first WBC. The Bahamas, which is still considered British Commonwealth, and that's how Trace is eligible. That's how he puts on a Great Britain uniform and launches a home run in the World Baseball Classic. Trace Thompson gives Great Britain the 1-0 lead. Wow, Marsh, you're going to do Adam Wainwright like that? That's the... That's the one run he gave up. 
Exactly, Anthony. He only gave up one run. And he settled down after that. Yes, he did. Yeah. Like Adam Wainwright making his debut for Team USA in the WBC. That was the game they won, Jamie. Mexico game didn't go uh, quite as well, but nope. nonetheless, Adam Wainwright, four innings pitch, five hits, one earned run, as Marsh just played that one earned run, one walk, four Ks on 49 pitches. But a lot of people continue to cite that the velo is down oh, it for is. Adam Wainwright. Oh, it is. If he – now, he only threw 49 pitches. We know he's not going to throw 49 pitches in, in a game for the Cardinals. Even if it's a bit of a grind for Wayno. Six innings or so, you know, one or two runs allowed. Do you do you care? I mean, we're talking we're uh, talking about yeah. we're talking about fifth a fifth pitcher here at, at this point. Yeah. Um, <sighs> hmm. I realize the velo's down. I realize I'm not saying it's not it's not concerning. Again, that was Great Britain. Well, they got the great. They got the best uniforms. They got mm-hmm. the again. That was the great, one guy. It was Great Britain. I want to. Unfortunately, with Adam Wainwright, there's a couple things here that I, I think all of us have to realize. Uh, one is that it's going to be extremely difficult to grade where Adam Wainwright truly is until he's consistently pitching against major league uh, roster players. That's the first thing. Two, we also know that Adam Wainwright is an extremely competitive guy. He's been down this road before. To where he talked about what a number of years ago, where he almost decided to retire because he, he he couldn't figure something out, and he was basically didn't have the velo, didn't have the breaking ball. It, it just wasn't working for him. But he battled through it, figured it out, came back, and we know he's been excellent until the last six starts last season. And I and I hate kind of out. I I, I hate laying it out there like that mm-hmm. because up until those last six starts. Wayne was fantastic. Wayne was the only reason that you were competitive. Pandemic year and all the things that Wayne has been able to do over the last two, three seasons is incredible. But I think the reality is you have to isolate where it's at right now. And I, I hate to use, again, those last six starts, but those last six starts have bled into this year so far. Spring training was not great to Adam Wayne, right? And uh, although he only gave up one run to, to Great Britain, again, it's not a roster full of major league players. So I just don't know where he's at. And ultimately, does it matter in a regular season that your fifth starter is, you know, giving up uh, some runs or whatever? Or I, I don't know until you have injuries. And then Adam Wainwright is bumped up in your rotation to maybe the three starter. And maybe he's not able to fool guys or out-pitch or out-duel batters anymore, and they're on to him. And the second time through, they're timing him up. And the fastball, which yesterday topped out at 87 miles an hour, was his hardest pitch of the day, as an average was like around 85 on the velo. And it didn't seem like it was 85 looking like 90. So I'm concerned. I think being concerned is understandable. But again, my question is, if he goes into the regular season, what's the what's now the proper expectations? Because you're right, going back to seven starts last year, the end of the, end of the year, his seven starts, he had, he had over a 70 RA. First outing in spring training did not go great. Second outing, gave up a run over four, 
again, he competed, competitive start. Velo, Velo is is down, as you noted. But if the expectations are that Adam Wainwright is your fifth starter, if he does stay at stay there, I don't think that's an issue. If he's your fifth starter, now I don't, I'm not talking about where he winds up pitching in the rotation. I'm just talking about the expectations for him. And if you if you do have issues early on, I'll bring up what I said a couple of weeks ago. Then I think you treat it as a piggybacked piggyback situation, where you have Jake Woodford or Dakota Hudson ready to go on this on the days that Adam Wainwright pitches. It's not ideal. It's not the way you want to set it up. It's it's not the way I want to set it up. But what else, what else are you going to do, Jamie? I don't know. What's the solution? Well, I don't it's know. Adam Wainwright. I know. So if this continues into the regular season, if I'm Ollie Marmel, I'm having one of those two guys ready to go, and then you go from there. And you trusted Adam Wainwright, who Matt Holiday told us two weeks ago, hey, this is the ultimate teammate. This is the this is the guy that would would recognize and maybe use hurting his team and go and go to the front office or go to his manager. You just gotta trust that. Yeah. But obviously you have to have a plan in place. So my plan would be for now, if this continues, you gotta have a piggyback situation for for Wayno starts. I just hate these situations. I just hate it, and um, yeah, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Tony Larusa that said the hardest, the most challenging thing is managing a uh, a declining superstar. superstar. Right, and you look at Adam Wainwright, and I don't know if it's declining ultimately because we we don't know the end result yet. As it is right now, it has been declining since the end of last season. I don't know how you handle this ultimately. You know, and, and I'm I'm going to remain optimistic because I felt the same way about Albert Pujols during the first half of that season last year, to where one of the greatest players, for sure, in the history of Major League Baseball, maybe the greatest, or, or at least in the discussion, St. Louis Cardinal during his decade here, and then obviously he had last year and the ending of it. But the first half of that season, man, like he he wasn't relevant when it came to offensive output. And I think that there were a lot of people within the organization, even around town, that were kind of like, oof, this is not great. Well, now, but Albert, you could hide him. Didn't have to play him. Didn't have to play him, right. You sit on the bench and get him up there against some at bats and get some left handed pitching, which he was doing really well. You didn't, you you could kind of protect him and hide him. You can't really do that with Adam Wainwright. Even if you have the uh, the piggyback situation like you're talking about, which I agree, great. But what do you do in the first three innings? What do you do if he comes out and they're timing him up like from the get-go every single start he has? Then, then there's you know 195 to 100 mile an hour exit velo off the bat, boom, boom. You're like, what do you do if he's not even competitive? You have to have the conversation with him. I feel like that's a tough one. It is, but if he's not competitive, then he is a professional. Also has to understand, no matter what he's given the organization, that he's hurting the team, and I think he would. Just don't want that for him. No, I don't either. This is the, the, for all intents and purposes, this is going to be his last year. Well, you it, you want him to you want him to go out. Yes, on top. He deserves to go out with a respectable final year, and I'm hoping that that's the way it trends uh, moving forward. I'm just at this point, I am. I, I, I'm just worried. I'm worried that it's not going to trend that way. 
I'm worried that the velo isn't there right now from Adam Wainwright. I understand he's you know he's such a good pitcher and such a smart pitcher. He's figuring out ways to still be competitive on the bump mm-hmm. right now against the competition that he's playing against. But ultimately, how long does that last if he can't figure other things out? I think that's all understandable. I think that's all fair. And it's just, it's something that the Cardinals are going to have to contend with at some point, potentially. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Sign on 101 ESPN. In 15 minutes, we'll talk more Blues. I got a question about uh, I got a question to Jamie about the Blues and the Vegas Knights as I was watching that game yesterday. It, it popped into my head, so I'm going to ask Jamie that. We also have the gauntlet coming up in 30 minutes. You got a gauntlet contestant yet? No. Let's get that gauntlet contestant yeah, now, then. If you want to participate, 314-399-9646 at the Air Comfort Service text line. We handed out another trophy last week, so now's the perfect time to play us. Gauntlet coming up, top of the hour. We'll spin you around the NFL next, though. One massive trade has gone down. That's right. We have we the think. latest. Yeah. We have the latest on Aaron Rodgers. Tell you what other teams are doing in the legal tampering period, which started earlier this morning. That's next on 101 ESPN. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. NFL tampering period, the legal tampering period started this morning and right away there was a flurry of action. Biggest news we'll cover right now. Jamie, end up. I have a question, Anthony. Why do they call it the tampering period? Why don't they just call it free agency? Well, Jamie. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, legal tampering, that doesn't really go together. Would they call that an oxymoron? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Like, yeah, like jumbo shrimp. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where the the league the league year doesn't officially begin for like well, a couple of days. Well, why don't they just begin? Like, uh, this seems stupid. Yeah, because legal they, tampering, and then we've got contracts being announced all over the place. Right. We just call it free agency. They're not official though, Jamie. They haven't uh, submitted the paperwork. It's just they they kind of agreed to a structure. It's just one more stupid thing the NFL does. Okay, there you go. Aaron Rodgers, according to St. Louis's own Trey Wingo. Yeah, has, and uh, what's that guy's name? Dove Kleiman? Yes. Dove, Dove. Dove, D-O-V. Yeah. yeah. He's also saying that uh, it's a done deal. 
We haven't seen compensation yet, though. No. So the Jets and the Packers have reportedly agreed to send Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. We don't know what would be going back to Green Bay. So once it's official, we'll let you know what Green Bay gets out of the deal. And I'm interested in that as well. But the Jets, the Jets are going to have their quarterback, guys. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers, punch of karma himself, slinging passes in New Jersey. Good for them. What do you think uh, was a part of that deal? We're not talking players. Maybe some incentives. Do you think maybe there's like a four-night stay? As soon as he gets, as soon as he gets to the your local dark hole. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as he gets to the Jets facility, I'm Mm -hmm. sure they'll have a just a line of that drink he likes. Yeah, ayahuasca. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know if they want to have that. I don't know if you. I'm sure they will. Yeah, the psychedelic that. uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. I think they'll also have just a row of his ancestors lined up outside mm-hmm. of the Jets facility so here, yeah, right. going to uh-huh. the facility so he can just walk through. Yeah, like Russell Wilson. And he just gets Touched. all of his an- ancestors putting mm-hmm. putting their hands all over him as he walks through. So to your point, my vision is when they come out to the field, Aaron Rodgers has his own separate little tunnel yeah. and all the hands mm-hmm. are there and he just walks through being touched the mm-hmm. entire time by his ancestors 100%. you know what he as might he not even up. be walking he could be like levitating he, he might yeah depends might. on if he has any of that uh ayahuasca drink right huh anyway so Aaron, like chris angel yeah very true <laughs> <Could> be. <laughs> so aaron Rodgers reportedly going to the jets that that deal not official yet but once we hear what the compensation is, we'll let you know. Jimmy Garoppolo has a new team. He's yeah, he going does. to the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Raiders had to do something because they sitting kind of right outside the the, the draft like sweet spot for quarterbacks. They also lost Jarrett Stidham, who agreed to a deal with the Broncos earlier today, so they couldn't fall back on Jarrett Stidham. If they missed out on a QB in the draft, so they said, screw it, let's go get Jimmy G. Nice landing spot for for Garoppolo, who goes yeah. back with his former Vegas. coordinator. <laughs> his former coordinator, Joshua parties. Daniels. He'll be fine. He'll be just, He'll be just fine. fine. He might be the best he's ever been. You never know, be Jimmy. But it is a good fit. It's a great fit for him. And Jimmy G is not even just a serviceable quarterback. He's a winning quarterback. I mean, look at this guy. He, he's been very good in the NFL consistently. Mm-hmm. And right now, the Raiders need someone who's consistent at that position. And Josh McDaniel can now get to work with a guy he's familiar with and kind of build this offense to be what it should have been last year. Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr, of course, traded to the Saints. Yeah. So we've got this QB this, this QB dynamic going on. No we'll Lamar Jackson. Shuffle. We'll call it a shuffle. The shuffle, the QB shuffle. We don't know where Lamar Jackson is going. We're still waiting to hear if any team is interested interested in him. Nobody's even called him. Yeah, ah, we're good. Former MVP. Don't, don't want that guy. A couple of uh, other moves. This actually broke yesterday. I was shocked to hear the compensation for it. Jalen Ramsey. At one point, the Rams gave up a first-round pick to acquire Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars. They traded him yesterday to the Miami Dolphins for a third-round pick and a backup tight end. Clearly, that's all they could get for him, or else Les Snead would have traded him elsewhere. Mm. And I do think Jalen Ramsey, because of his contract, 
kind of had a say where he would go. So maybe that's just a situation where the Rams are like, all right, we know we're not going to have him back. we got to get him off the cap. So we'll get what we can for him. But, man, that is light compensation for Jalen Ramsey. Third-round pick and a, and a backup tight end. So what does that tell us ultimately right now? Again, I think I think for me, if you look at the contract situation, maybe Jalen Ramsey had a, had a little bit of a say in this because he was going to have to agree to a restructured deal and maybe he wanted to go to Miami and the Rams obliged and they just – Said, look, we gotta we gotta get something for him. So here we go. That that's my read on it. Hmm. But again, that either way, regardless of what happened, that's that's still pretty light compensation. Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker for the Bills, is now a Chicago Bear. Bears are redoing their defense after making that big trade last week with the Carolina Panthers. So they get Tremaine Edmonds. Javon Hargrave goes to the 49ers. He's playing with the Eagles the last couple of years, coming off a big season. The 49ers have an embarrassment of riches along their defensive line. That team's going to be incredible. They are stacked. I'm just so worried for them at the quarterback position. The 49ers? Yeah. Oh, they'll be fine. No, they won't. Yeah. Like a Brock Purdy. This is where franchise got to get out of its own way. And you got to go, like, they should have been all in on some of these guys because this is a team that is literally lined up for a Super Bowl, and you're going to put that now onto the shoulders of Brock Purdy, which you don't know exactly what he's going to be like, and Trey Lance, which is complete unknown. I just don't like the the strategy of it. I don't think it's good management. I think they should have went out and got a a for-sure type quarterback. Even if it's not an all-star or a stud, have somebody that you just have to pass the ball to the guys that are open. Hand it off. Like, it's not, I don't know. Do you, do you disagree with me? I think they're stuck. When you when you fall in love with a player like John Lynch, the general manager, did for the 49ers, making the deal a couple of years ago to go up and get Trey Lance, you're kind of stuck now. And the fact that... Why? Brock, Look at what Arizona did. They didn't care. Yeah, but you again, you fell in love. But they did, they weren't in love with Josh Rosen. Well, That's they the were, They drafted him in the first round. Sure, but then they wound up with the first overall pick and Kyler Murray sitting there. I don't... I realize that Kyler Murray's not great, but at the time, Kyler Murray, like that was, that was the guy you take, you, you roll the dice on. I don't know who who the 49ers Kyler Murray is at this point. I agree, it's a risk, but they got news on Brock Purdy last week that he can, he can, his sur- surgery is going to be fine, then he's going to be ready to go by training camp. If not, Jamie it could be, it could be one of those stories where you're looking at a 49ers team that you're right, is stacked, that is held back by the QB. The players were already pissed off last year. At the end of the season, when Brock Purdy got hurt, and they were like, literally, uh, what do you want us to do? We didn't even have a quarterback. Right. We didn't even have a quarterback, and they voiced their frustration. I can just imagine that if they're 500 halfway through the season or not competitive with some of the top teams, how pissed off some of these guys are going to be. No, that's a good point. All right, a couple other quick signings. Mike Mike McGlinchey goes to the Broncos, so the Broncos beefing up things in front of Russell Wilson, not a bad idea. And the Falcons, this just came came out about, I don't know, five minutes ago. The Falcons, who have spent over $200 million today in total contracts, are agreeing to a four-year deal with Jesse Bates' safety for the Bengals. So he's going to be a Falcon, and the Falcons are already uh, addressing their defense earlier today with Saints defensive tackle on Yamada. So they got a run stuffer. To pair with Grady Jarrett up front, and now they got Jesse Bates, and I imagine they'll go defense in the draft as well. So Falcons making some moves to address the defense.
That's it. We'll tell you about anything else that comes out throughout the course of the show. But the big news, again, the Jets are, according to Trey Wingo, they're acquiring Aaron Rodgers, but the deal is not finalized. I mentioned this a couple of times. I'm going to ask Jamie something about the Blues in relation to the Vegas Golden Knights after watching the two yesterday. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. The Blues lose to the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday. I thought it was a competitive game. We talked about that early. But, Jamie, when I was watching the, the game yesterday, and look, I realized that Vegas is a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Yeah. I, I get that. The, the way that they're, you know, the roster, the, the talent, the coaching, all that. This was also a team, though, Jamie, that they didn't make the playoffs last year. They had a bad second half. It got away from them. Well, yeah, but they also had an absolute massive amount of injuries. They did. The players that they did have, most of them, though, had kind of down seasons. The, the, the majority of the guys that you count on. You know, Petro was still still very good, but the guys had down, down years. Well, they had a goalie that was involved in a snake farm here in the middle of Missouri. Eh, that, you, you know, know, sometimes that happens. Yeah. No, it really doesn't. Now they've got more points than everybody in the league outside of the Bruins, Hurricanes, and Devils. The Blues are going to miss the playoffs this year. Mm -hmm. How far away are the Blues from maybe not Vegas, where, again, they've got the fourth most points in the league, but how far are the Blues away from rebounding quickly like Vegas did? Or is it just the fact that they were banged up last year, they got healthy, and now they're ready to go again? Yeah, it's kind of a combination uh, to me. They got banged up. They're banged up again. They're still missing their captain, Mark Stone. Uh, they've gone through umpteen amount of goalies that are on the IR. They're, they're still missing a bunch of guys, uh, but they're playing very good hockey. For the Blues to get to where the Vegas Golden Knights are right now, I mean, you're looking at a three- or four-year project. That just being honest. Okay, so that's a long time. It, it it's it's an extended period of time, and the reason being is if you look at the defense core for the Vegas Golden Knights, go through that group of guys. Like they've got some studs back there. Petro Martinez, Petro Martinez, Shea Theodore, even McNabb and, and White Cloud. Like they've got some guys, man. They've got some dudes. Martinez might be. I don't know. I I I don't know the league Martinez like you do. Is actually going to be an unrestricted. Free agent following this year, I believe. He's got some skill. He's he's always been a guy that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Obviously, he's known uh, for his overtime Stanley Cup championship goal with the L.A. Kings. But he's been great for the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, when you look at his contract, he's making 5.2. He's got next year, again, at 5.2, then he's unrestricted. But you go through here, you got Nicholas Hag. I mean, that guy's a monster. 6'6, six, 6'7 six, six, back there. White Cloud skates so well. McNabb's a monster. Shea Theodore skates really well. They've got a great pattern here. Petro's a big dude. He is like 6'3, big, heavy defenseman, but he's got the offensive upside, joins the rush all the time. He's a bit of a combination. You got Martinez as a puck moving type guy. 
Uh, Shea Theodore has got tons of speed, puck-moving guy. Then you get into some of the heavies, McNabb and Hag, and White Cloud's a bit of a combination of both, too. So I, I look at that decor, one through six, one through seven, and that's a really good defensive core. And you look at the top end, you got to look at guys like Jack Eichel. I know he's making $10 million this year, but, you know, it's Jack Eichel. William Carlson, Marcia So, Riley Smith, Ivan Barbashev now part of this team. So up front right now, forward-wise, you're somewhat comparable to the Vegas Golden Knights. But if I'm being completely honest here, Next year is going to look a little bit better than this year, is my prediction. The following year, year two of this retool, uh, the Blues will be back in playoff contention. Playoff contention, not Stanley Cup. Playoff contention. Then year three, you're hoping to take some more steps to where you become a contender out of the West. Year four, hopefully back to where you need to be. And that's putting it because Vegas has done it. Look at how long it's taken Vegas to kind of, you know, the first year they come out of the gate Stanley Cup final, and now since then they've been trying to get back to that point ever since. Right. But they've had some really good years. They've had some really good years. Outside last of last year, year. Last year's a down year. It was a bit of a wonky year. That You know, Pete DeBoer wasn't a great mix with the Vegas Golden Knights. He's a great guy, great coach. It just wasn't a great mix. Um, they chose Robin Leonard over Marc-Andre Fleury. That was unpopular. And then it ended up being a terrible decision overall. Robin Leonard showed up like 30 pounds overweight. And it's just like craziness happened there. So where things didn't line up the way they wanted. Um, But then this year with Bruce Cassidy coming from the Boston Bruins, which is a little bit of a surprise firing from the Bruins at the time. Now uh, we realize they had Jim Montgomery uh, in mind and he's doing pretty good. But this is where the NHL is kind of crazy, right? You fired a guy. And now he's got the first place team in the Western Conference. And the guy you brought in has your team first place in the Eastern (laughs) Conference and overall in the NHL. Some may say it's about talent, Jamie. Yeah, uh, they got a lot of talent on both of these teams. Boston has a slew of it. But I I look at at Vegas and the Blues as in two different categories from last year to this year and then obviously moving on to next year. Uh, But to me, it comes down to... The, the great defensive core that they've got. And it's not to say that the Blues don't have a good defensive core, but watching Vegas Golden Knights play defense, like there's they suffocate people. Mm-hmm. They stand up at the lines. They take away the middle of the ice. And for those guys like Martinez, Petrangelo, Theodore, White Cloud, every time they pass the puck, they jump up and join the play, join the play. They're part of the attack. They move yeah. around the offensive zone. It's a really good hockey team. So I, I think the Blues are... Probably farther off than what we'd like them to be when it comes to being compared to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, but, you know, it's not impossible. You, you make the right moves, the right signings. If Verana and Kapanen end up being those guys that you hope they can be, it, it speeds it up. So instead of three or four, maybe it's two or three. You know, either way, it's not going to be an extended period of time to where Blues fans are watching non-meaningful hockey games. I can promise you that. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. The Gauntlet is next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the Gauntlet? It's a fast lane on 101 at ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Solitaire, and Sean is the latest contestant in the gauntlet. What's up, Sean? Nothing much, fellas. How are you? We're doing good, but Jamie's got a question for you. I'm sure you get this all the time. Yeah, Sean, uh, how are we spelling your name today? 
It is S-E-A-N. All right. Oh, I went the other. I went S-H-A-W-N. <laughs> yeah, that's my brother spells it that way. That's probably why he Well, he it doesn't way. spell it that way. My parents spelled it that sure. way for him. And then he decided, and I'm going to stick with I'm this. I'm going to stick with they've already, what sense. they've already done here. Yes. So no S-H-A-U-N. No, no. no. The W. Now, I do w. know a Sean that's spelled that way. Sean Edgar. He's my daughter's soccer coach. Nice. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right, Sean. S-E-A-N. You have the opportunity to pick your opponent. The wheel will decide your fate when it comes to the category. So would you like to take on Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, or myself today? Well, as a Peoria, Illinois resident who grew up watching the Peoria Rivermen, it'd be an honor to go against Jamie Rivers. All right. Oh, baby. Love it. The old Peoria arena there, gritty, Anthony, very gritty. Not far from Al's world famous, too, by the way. (laughs) So I hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Sean, good luck. Thank you. All right, so Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence. Sean will give you the one, two, three. You tell, the, tell Marsh to spin that wheel. But, uh, again, for those that don't know, well, you know what? Let's just spin the wheel first. How about that? Go ahead, Sean. Tell him. Spin that wheel. All right, Sean. What do you want today? What's the category? What are you hoping for? Uh, hoping baseball. Open baseball. Jamie's got a lot of football. Uh, oh. <laughs> wow. It was wow. It was towing the line of being hockey, Sean. It did oh. not land on hockey. Whew. It landed on random. Okay. So it's random trivia today. Same four questions for Sean as we'll give to Jamie. Each question is worth two points unless Sean or Jamie need the options, and therefore those questions become one point. Sean, are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Question number one. What animal is known to have the highest blood pressure? Hold on a second. (laughs) Are you noticing what I'm noticing, Anthony? No. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We'll get to to what, what Marsh is saying, right? Well, no, look at, look at, is mine all messed up? No. <laughs> Anthony, I don't even have the questions. Yeah, you I'm do. not even written down. What are you talking about? You got them. <laughs> it's the same thing. Let me see, let me see your sheet. Look Go ahead, Sean. What do you, what animals is known to have the highest blood pressure? Uh, I have the slightest idea. So we're going to take the oxygen's. All right. Is it sea lion, squirrel, or giraffe? Uh, you know, squirrels oh. move fast, so we're going to go with the squirrel. You know what, Sean? I see what Marsh is talking about now. <laughs> so our guy, our guy Grant, does all of the questions for for us. I see what you're talking about. <laughs> question number three and question number four are actually not questions, and the answers are ones from the from the last yeah. random trivia. So, well, I, I thought you were. I didn't see. No, I didn't see because I only looked at the first two. I only looked at the first two questions. All right, so we got we got a dilemma here. I think I think Sean, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go back to the wheel. Okay. Okay. We'll take random off. Uh, Sorry about that, but I don't think you were high on random anyways, right? No, I would have been okay with it, but yeah, starting off with the uh, high blood pressure for an animal. I I, no, no, not. Okay, you so. know what? We're just joking. Actually, Anthony uh, made that random up. We actually have a different. 
just playing <laughs> off of last week. Okay, so exactly. why don't we we pull we pulled Random off the board? Sorry, Sean. This is this is embarrassing. <laughs> no, this is that this is how you know that we have no idea what these questions are until we pull that's them a, out of the sheet. That's a good point too. So we'll get Grant to redo those those random questions. But uh, Marsh, go ahead and sp- spin the wheel again for Sean here. Now you said you were hoping for baseball. Now, honestly, I just hope it lands on baseball for you. I'll probably land on hockey. You know, oh. wow, this worked. This worked out just fine. Honest, honest to the gauntlet gods, it came up baseball. <laughs> All right. It came up baseball, so this is actually going to work out okay. So now, All right, let's he's going to go back let's to the launch sure the codes here. <laughs> I didn't even look the third, the question number three. Well, and Andy, question number I four. thought you were seriously. When you showed me like, your sheet, I'm like, yeah, we're good. I thought I was like, going insane. what the hell insane. is wrong with you, March? We got question one, we got two. I didn't even go to three or four. All right, here we go. Baseball. <laughs> what a absolute clown show we are. All right, here we go. Sean, question one. Adam, Adam Wainwright will be the third oldest player in the MLB on opening day. Who will be the oldest? Ooh. You know what? We'll go with the options. Justin Verlander. Nelson Cruz or Rich Hill? I'm going to go Justin Verlander, final answer. Question number two. Who is the only player since 2016 to score 700-plus runs with a 900-plus OPS? Hmm. Options, please. Your options are Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, or Manny Machado. We're going to go Mike Trout. Final answer. All right. Question number three, Sean. Nolan Ryan still holds the record for how many no-hitters thrown in his career? We're going to go shoot in the dark here. We're going to go seven. Final answer. Last question. Who led the 2022 postseason with 14 RBIs? Uh, Let's go with the options. Your options are Bryce Harper, Jordan Alvarez, or Reese Hoskins. We're going to go Alvarez. Final answer. All right, we'll bring back Jamie right now out of the cone of silence. Sean, we apologize about that, but how are you feeling? Oh, I, I don't feel the greatest, but I'm here, so it's a good thing. I like that answer. All right, Jamie's <laughs> made his way back in from yeah. the cone of silence. Jamie? Yeah. Are you ready? No. Okay. Question number one. Mm. Adam Wainwright will be the third oldest player. Is it really player. baseball, though, first of all? Adam Wainwright will be the third oldest player in the MLB on opening day. Who will be the oldest? Oh, Nelson Cruz is up there. I know that. Wow. Is there anybody older than Nelson Cruz? He's like 43, isn't he? You know what? I feel like I, I need to shoot. Nelson Cruz, final answer. Question number two, who is the only player since 2016 to score 700-plus runs with a 900-plus OPS? Okay, the only player since what year? 2016. Give me the options, please. Options are Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, or Manny Machado. Okay, 2016 to score 700 runs with a 900 OPS. Um, 
Oh. I mean, the obvious one's Mike Trout. Mookie Betts, a little bit of an outlier. I just don't know if he's got the numbers to get there. Manny Machado, I feel like gets a bit of a sleeper. I'll go with Manny Machado. Final answer. Question three, Jamie. Nolan Ryan still holds the record for how many no-hitters thrown in his career? Give me the options. Seven, eight, or nine. Oh, God. I knew you were going to say that. Seven, eight, or nine. No hitters. I know he doesn't have a Cy Young, um, but I know he's got a lot of no hitters. Seven, eight, or nine. When in doubt, go with option B. Eight. Final answer. Last question. Who led the 2022 postseason with 14 RBIs? The 2020? 2022. Postseason, 14 RBIs. It's got to be a Houston Astro, right? Give me the options. Options are Bryce Harper, Jordan Alvarez, or Reese Hoskins. I'll go with Jordan Alvarez. Final answer. Ugh. Yuck. All right, let's go over these. Let's start off with question four. Who led the 2022 postseason with 14 RBI? Sean, you went Jordan Alvarez. Jamie, you went Jordan Alvarez. Correct answer? Jordan Alvarez. Nice job. Both of you guys needed the option. So we have a 1-1 tie between Sean and Jamie. Who is the only player since 2016 to score 700-plus runs with a 900-plus OPS? Both of you used the options. Sean, you went with Mike Trout. Jamie, you went with Manny Machado. Correct answer is... Mookie Betts. It was the other option, unfortunately. <laughs> so you the guys are I still... I was like, I don't think he got there. <laughs> you guys are still tied Clearly 1-1. Clearly wrong, Jamie. Nolan Ryan still holds the record for how many no-hitters thrown in his career. Sean, you went with seven. Jamie, you went with, uh, you know what, we'll go with B, which was eight. Yeah. So Sean with seven, Jamie with eight. I know where this is going. Correct answer is seven. (sighs) Seven is the answer. Sean did not need the options. Come on, Sean. So we have a (laughs) 3-1 game heading into this question. Come on, Nelson Cruz. (laughs) Adam Wainwright will be the third oldest player in Major League Baseball on opening day. Who will be the oldest? Jamie, you went with Nelson Cruz. You did not need the options. I had to do it. So if you're correct and you need it to be, you got to walk off here with Sean who did take the options, and he went with Justin Verlander. As we know, as we know (sighs) from Sean, who took the options, Nelson Cruz is an option. I think Nelson Cruz is 43, and Verlander's like, what, 41? Justin Verlander, Nelson Cruz, and Rich Hill. Those were the options. Oh, Rich Hill. Damn you, Rich Hill. Sean. You have chosen wisely. Ah. Rich Hill, isn't it? Correct answer is 
It's Rich Hill. It's Rich Hill. Oh, oh, Hill. Rich Hill. gets Jamie today, three what? to one. How old is Nelson Cruz? I, I mean, I'll give it to you. He's, he's, he's old. Is he older than Verlander? Can't take his house. He's too old. Uh, 40, well, maybe. Is he older than Verlander? That's, I just need that for my own moral Your victory. own peace of mind. Yeah. Justin Verlander is 40 years old. Cruz is older than that. Yeah, he's Nelson 43. Cruz. Nelson Cruz is 42, 42 years old. Rich Hill. I want confirmation on this. Is 43 years old. Is Rich old. Hill currently on a roster? Yeah, Padres. Son of a. Or Pirates, I mean. I thought I'd challenge it. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, people are wondering what the answer is to question number one of the random trivia that we had at the beginning. Give me the question. Uh, What what animal is known to have the highest blood pressure? But by the way, we never never let Sean answer the question, did we? No. All right. So oh, I thought no. I said I, I said a squirrel because they squirrel, run real okay. fast. Oh, so. you had yeah. you had said squirrel. Okay, Jamie. Yes. Did you ask for the options, Sean? Do we even make it that far? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. There's no the, way I knew that. Do you okay. want the options? Uh, do I want the options? Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll tell you what's going on after this because you have no idea what's going on. Okay, go ahead. Why not? Sea lion, squirrel, giraffe. Oh, I would have went with squirrel for sure. They're always like. You can always like squirming around. I was thinking at first like a bird because it got the head that's bobbing or the hummingbird. You know. Yeah. But I would have went with squirrel. Correct answer is giraffe. Apparently, it's a giraffe. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, it takes all that to get the blood circulation <laughs> yeah. all the way up. Goes super duper I high. Mean, it Physiologically, it totally makes sense. Yeah, it does. Way uh, to go, Sean. Sean, congratulations. You'll be back tomorrow. All right. Thanks, guys. Good job, buddy. Nice, nice fight, Jamie. Yeah, nice job, man. Good job. Yeah, right, we'll call Sean tomorrow. So this, this is what happens. Uh, <laughs> Sean spins the wheel, and it comes up random. So we decide to start the random trivia. Jamie, yeah. this was the random sheet. Do you know any issues? Do you notice any issues uh, with our launch codes for random? Oh. I didn't recognize it right away. Marsh did. I didn't recognize it right away. I recognize that there's two questions that are completely missing. Uh, and Yeah, I already know what question three is. What's the most popular uh, energy drink in yeah. the United yeah. States? Yeah. Red Bull. And, uh, oh, the old, uh, the, the fire up the okras. Yes. Yeah. So our guy Grant started the first two questions. Must have got ham sauce one night. He texted me. He texted me. He he got into the gummies. (laughs) He texted me the actual questions uh, for this supposed random trivia. They just didn't make it. Questions that did not make it. Don't Um, tell us now. Well, I know them now, so he's going to have to. He's going to have to redo redo them. them. I could ask you if you. One, I can ask ah. you one of them. Oh, yeah, go ahead. It's a college basketball question. Uh, no, I'm good. Which college basketball program has produced the most NBA players all time? UCLA. That's a really good That's a really good. And guess. that's actually an option. Yeah, I would say, I mean, UCLA was going to be my choice. I'll go with uh, Kentucky. Do we Anthony? Have yes. You have chosen wisely. Yeah. I can't win anything today. I did it. I'm sick of this. I beat Jamie in Gauntlet. I'm sick of this show. I'm sick of this. You were you were complaining earlier though that the 49ers are gonna go with either Brock Purdy Uh or Trey Lance. You didn't like it. You wanted you wanted a veteran. I did. Don't give me How about a veteran that was a four that's a former top five pick, Jamie? Oh, no. Baker Mayfield. Did they go with nope, Shaky Bakey? they didn't go with Shaky Bakey. Johnny Manziel? Nope. 
He's not coming out of retirement. Forced retirement. Ryan Leaf? (laughs) Close. Sam Darnold. Sam Sam Darnold uh, is going to the 49ers, according to Adam Schefter. Mm -hmm. Nobody's been able to do anything with Minecraft Head. Why can they? (laughs) Minecraft Head. Uh, City SC. They just keep on keeping on. They keep winning. We'll give you our game notes on City SC next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, we've overcome a lot of adversity over the last couple of weeks and uh, by going down goals and showing great team resolve and great team spirit and to come back every time before the half. So, yeah, it's been good momentum going into half time, and then we know we have a very solid roster and guys coming off the bench to make a difference. So, incredible night in Portland. We know how valuable these points are down the stretch and, uh, yeah, it's only three games in, but extremely proud. That was Bradley Carnell, head coach of City SC. They win again over the weekend, beating Portland 2-1. Another game, Jamie, in which City SC trailed. Another game in which they showed plenty of grit coming back. And they are now 3-0 in the MLS. They're one victory shy of setting the record for for most consecutive wins to start a season in the MLS. I mean, this is it's it it's incredible what they were able to what they've been able to do. So, the, not only their expansion team, their first two of their first three wins came on the road. One of which was in Austin, who a, a big time contender, a yep. team that's been ve- established, very Real good team. But I don't even care who the opponent is at this point. Three and all, two of which are on the road, and again they came back in all three of them. The biggest thing for me watching that game was the resilience of the team. Really, I mean it. Like they're down one nothing in in a building in a, in a uh, a city that talking to multiple multiple people, it's a tough place to play. And this is an expansion team. They they don't have a uh, a logbook of oh I remember what it's like to play here. Maybe right. some of these guys have played there before, but as a team, as St. Louis City SC, they've never played there. And so to go in there and, and trail one nothing, and then right before the half, like literally right before the half, SC scores a goal and, and brings it back to even Steven for the second half. And I think that was huge because, you know, going into half, you don't want to be down because teams can certainly shut down defensively. They can do a good job. I don't know enough about Portland to to know if they have that kind of personnel. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about what they do systematically. But from my vantage point, when I'm watching them score right before half and then come out the way they did in the second half, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, is it Berkey, the goalie? Berkey, yeah. He was on the opening drive today. Too. He's a stud. He's a stud. He's legit. And I found out through the grapevine that he's also – the highest paid player on St. Louis City SC and with just cause. Not only is he a great goalie, but he's a leader. He's out there all the time. You can see him. He's, he's shouting things out. And I do know that's a, that the goalie is a lot of the leadership group on the on the pitch. Uh, but he played great. And then Klaus, our guy Klaus, the, the deer falling out of a car. Is mm-hmm. that what he said? Or getting out of a car? Yeah, he looks like a deer 
a deer getting out of a getting car? out of a car. Okay, let me tell you this: uh, Klaus is not gonna. He's never gonna wow you with his style points. He's a Clydesdale out there. You just strap a buggy onto the back of Klaus and watch him go. Everything works around this guy. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely shocked to see how many touches this guy gets in a game, and like he's gritty, and it ain't pretty. <laughs> it ain't pretty. He looks a little bit like that pass was pretty. It, the pass is great. And he had that one little off the backside of the foot, little touch pass. Yeah. It was fantastic. But this is like Klaus for me embodies what St. Louis City SC is. Oh. It's not pretty all the time. It's not picture perfect. But guess what? They're going to keep working and working and working. And so watching Klaus out there was fun because now I'm, I'm like ISO cammed on this guy. After hearing those comments, I'm like, I want to see this guy succeed. Uh, he's a hell of a player. And then, obviously, our guy, Kyle Hebert, with the uh, the game-winning header into the back of the net there. It was a little assistance from the Portland player. I think it was already that crossed. That was going in. I think it was already crossed when they the goal start, line. When the Apple TV guys were talking about, oh, we'll see if it's an own goal, give me a break. That thing was that thing was already in when the def- mm-hmm. when the defender decides to – Make sure it got in. Yeah, he was trying to kick it out of there, and it was yeah. already in the net. So uh, that's those are my uh, thoughts about the game uh, for City SC on Saturday night. I know, Anthony, you keep a uh, very descriptive log of what you're watching. Yeah. So I did the Stalter notes. Marsh, go ahead. Where were you? you were leaning in there. You had a point maybe on Berkey? Oh, before we get into uh, Stalter's soccer yeah, notes. Yeah, because once I get going on these, yeah, you know how I do this soccer. You're so. like a freight train. Yeah. Choo-hoo. Um, choo-hoo. Yeah, you know, like a choo-choo. Choo-choo. That makes yeah. sense. Choo-hoo. I didn't know who uh, choo-hoo was. Sorry. Anthony, I'm sorry I messed that up. But uh, <laughs> before the season started, I was watching some of the uh, uh, preseason just videos that MLS uh, put out on Apple TV and Taylor Twelman. Uh, was talking and basically said, you know, there there won't be one shining star on this team. It's going to be the system that they run. And I think after a few games, though, there's a few players on this team that are that are starting to to rise as some of the star players on on yeah. the city. Well, SC Stroud team. already has two goals yeah. in the season. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, like I mean, that. Roman Roman Berkey is. I mean, he's he's an absolute stud. He said today too on the opening drive with with Kerry and Brooke. Uh, Randy's still out. But when they were talking to Berkey, uh, Brooke asked him, hey, some people are, are kind of saying, well, you know what, this team, a little lucky in the early going here. What? Some of the goals, you know, were put in by other players. And Berkey goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, we've been lucky in certain areas. But we create our own luck. And other teams have opportunities. Like, we can't be the only team that's mm-hmm. lucky. We create our own opportunities. So I thought it was just a perfect answer to a really good question because we've heard that too. After the after the last game, not this one on Saturday, but the the home game, some people were bringing up, ah, well, you know, a lot of the goals scored us thus far. There's some own goals there, some lucky breaks, and Berkey just nailed it. All right, we got to a couple of things to the text line, Anthony. We'll let you get to your game notes here. I don't want them interrupted. Uh, we have a nickname for our guy Klaus from the three one four Klausdale. So I like Clydesdale, yeah, Cl- Clausdale. Yep, That's good. I'll take it. From now on, he is Clausdale. And <laughs> uh, Berkey is not just the highest paid player on St. Louis City SC. He's the highest paid goalie in the league. Well, he deserves it. He absolutely does. And he's a handsome devil. Yeah, good looking kid. Yeah. All right, here's my game notes. Time for Stalter's Soccer Notes. Yeah, did this last week, and uh, nobody wanted him back, so we decided to bring him back. 
It's my game notes they from popular from somebody that uh, doesn't know what the hell he's watching. But uh, I freely admit I don't know what I'm watching. But I'm serious about these game notes. Let's go. And as I was watching, I was rewatching the game last night. My wife Kristen came into the kitchen. She goes, "What?" She goes, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I got my game notes on on soccer." She goes, "Oh." People ask you for game notes? I go, oh, no, absolutely not, but I do it anyways. Here we go. And this is as I'm watching the game, okay? All right, what a save by Berkey to start the game. He was aggressive on that one, took the soccer right to the Portland forward. Net front defense, parentheses, is that a thing? Because I don't know, is net front defense, is that yeah. is that a thing? It's supposed to be. All right, shaky again for City as they allow the, the header to go in for a goal. Uh, I also noted that Portland's keeper looked like he was wearing out one of his own guys on the penalty kick by City. Looked like he was doing a lot of crying for a non-goal. Glad to see City score to tie it, both because we're rooting our soccer-loving balls off for City, but also because I thought the Portland keeper deserved it for his inset, his absolute uh, whining earlier in the earlier in the game. So I was glad to see that he got scored on. Another week, another opponent trying to give City a goal about 47 minutes into the game. I thought this was a pivotal uh, pivotal point. I'm going to get critical here. Again, I don't know what the hell I'm watching, but uh, I, I'm going to get a little critical here of our boys. Huge break for City, 48 minutes into the game. City defender Jake Nerwiski? Nerwiski? Nerwitski. Ner- Ner- I think it's Nerwiski. No. We'll call him Jake. City defender Jake heads the ball the wrong way and then immediately looks for a penalty for no reason. Then our guy Timmy P charges after the ball like a wild bull, winds up looking like Jamie Rivers after uh, one too many cocktails, trying to find the wall. He goes right into it. Kind of aggressive there from our guy Timmy P. So he tries to headbutt the ball, creates a massive scoring opportunity for Portland. Fortunately, their dude missed or else we'd be looking at a 2-1 deficit. After the Portland player misses high, Old boy Jake there can be seen crying for a penalty. Come on, guys. This is what I wrote. Come on, guys. Get it together. It's comedy hour right now for the city defense. I expect more out of our our defense. Not a great series of events there. Oh, my God. Uh, I can't say this word on air. We'll go with uh, F word. Brilliant pass by the Deer Kloss, or now we're calling him. Klausdale. Klausdale. At the 63-minute mark, but Rasmus Alm decides to kick the ball right to Portland's keeper. Yeah, he's warming him up. 400 feet of net, and Alm decides to kick the ball right at the keeper's shins. (laughs) Bold strategy there, Cotton. Another huge save by Berkey. Dude is out there doing that soccer all over Portland's faces and their pitch. (laughs) And then our guy, Kyle Hebert, with the headbutt goal. No way that was an own own goal. That puppy was going in before Portland's guy decided to make it a sure thing by scoring again. <laughs> Once more, Portland's keeper is looking at his guys, passing the blame. If I'm Portland, I'm finding a new keeper this week. No accountability, always trying to pass the blame, at least in this one game that I've seen, and not a clutch player. No grit is sounds what like, I wrote about Portland's keeper. Sounds like Aaron Rodgers. Totally. Only Rodgers won a Super Bowl and a few MVPs. Whatever. Timmy P, our boy Timmy P, redeems himself with a better headbutt to win the game. City, now 3-0 to start start the year. Suck it, MLS. This is easy for us. That's what I wrote. That's my game notes. Any any questions on that? So well. Nothing. Okay. Brought a tear to my eye. Good. Good, good, good. All right. We do it next week. 
see you next week, San Jose. Big game. Big game. So I'll take more of those notes for everybody. All right. That's Jamie Rivers. That's Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Hey, is Colton Pareko's play made you a little more optimistic for the future? Of course. Go ahead. Say it. Of course. Of course. Naturally. Yeah. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So we have Silas Kelly coming up. He's a Battle Hawk linebacker who sealed the game yesterday with a, with a yeah with a turnover late. So just a quick couple of minutes, and then we're gonna take another break. And we're gonna get to Silas Kelly, but Colton Pareko, his play, Jamie, yes, his play of late. Do you think that people, Blues fans, will start to come around a little bit more on Pareko given his play of late? So. It- Anthony, here's the interesting thing, and this is what I have said for a while now, and I'm I'm going to go right back to the well on this one, is if you trade Colton Pareko, who's your next Colton Pareko within the organization? Well, I thought Curb's uh, making – he made the point earlier today on the opening drive. He goes, as soon as you trade a guy like Colton Pareko, you're, you're saying to yourself, well, we kind of need somebody like Colton Pareko. Exactly. So you don't have that guy you don't to have answer your question. And so something clicked here for Colton Pareko in, in talking to Colton and, and other people around the organization. He just said, you know, it was overthinking a lot of things. And you get to that point where you're trying not to listen or read or talk about you know, all the expectations that the team or the, the fans have for you. And so sometimes – you think to yourself, I need to do more. I need to be different than what I currently am. If I'm going to be the number one defenseman or whatever, the alpha dog, I've got to do bigger, better things instead of just going out there and continuing to do what you do best. And so I think Colton Pareko now, he's going out there and he's playing. He's reacting. What a difference. Since the San Jose game right before the trade deadline, Colton Pareko has been a different player. Uh, joining the attack, jumping in the rush, making great plays, being more physical than he has been uh, all season long. Uh, JR had some stats up here, and this was before uh, last night's game. Uh, but five on five, he played 93 minutes total in the last uh, five games. His chances, high danger chances for and against, he's doing a great job. Uh, him and Nick Letty have been substantially different together since that San Jose game. So, uh, again, to me, it's confidence is a a crazy thing in all athletes. And I I think that that's the hardest part for fans in general to understand is, you know, that a player goes through these ebbs and flows internally, too. It's not just, you know, what you see is what you get. No, there's lots of things that are going on, especially in a season like this for Colton Pareko where it's been uh, difficult for him individually. And difficult for the team, difficult as a group of defensemen, him and his partner, like all of these things combined can rattle a guy. And once you get rattled, especially in a sport like hockey, it's fast. There's no breaks in it. Like it's go, 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 go. So if you start to be, you know, paddling in quicksand, you can sink quickly and you're trying, you're paddling harder and harder to get out of the hole and you can't. So when I watch Colton Pareko, 
uh, in these last five games, six games now, it's a different player. And when you see a guy like Pareko playing the way he can now, you look at it and go, there's no way I'm trading this guy. I felt that way from the beginning, by the way. I, 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 for $6.5 million, six foot six with that kind of speed and that kind of ability to close out plays, they don't grow on trees. They don't. And there would be a lineup around the corner of people who would take Colton Pareko in a trade if you were to trade him, move him on right now, the Blues, at his current contract, not eating any of the salary, nothing. There will be several teams that would like him on their club. So uh, to Curbs' this point, which I believe came from Al McKinnis. Yes, Al McKinnis said, and Curbs mentioned that. Yeah. Al McKinnis, who, I don't know, I feel like I could trust his opinion. I would say so, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. For him to say, you know, the moment you trade Colton Pareko, you're looking for the next Colton Pareko. Why not go through some of the rough patches with the current Colton Pareko that you already have, who you know, who's an amazing guy, great leader? I mean, I don't know of anybody who dislikes Colton Pareko as a human being. Why not embrace that and challenge him and develop him? Keep going. Al McKinnis was in his 30s when he you know, won his first Norris Trophy. So I'm not willing to give up on Colton Pareko yet. No, not at all. Uh, I think we're going to get – I think we're going to get Silas Kelly on right now from the Battle Hawks. So a quick transition here with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Talking about defense from the St. Louis Blues, Colton Pareko. Let's talk to Silas Kelly about defense. That's right. So the linebacker yesterday had a key takeaway to seal the game. Uh, I can't wait to talk to an actual player from the Battle Hawks to to talk about the dome, the environment yesterday as the Battle Hawks uh, beat the Renegades open up the dome they get 38,000 people there that is a record our Randy our very own Randy Carricker tweeted it out that 38,000 people or tickets I should say tickets were sold yesterday which was a record in the XFL in spring football so we're right back to the fast lane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN why don't we head right now to the Brown and Kirkman Celebrity Line with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter, and we welcome in Silas Kelly, linebacker for the Battle Hawks. Silas, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on another W yesterday. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. No, it's our play. Hey, it had to be fun yesterday. What was it like as a player to walk out of the tunnel and you see the dome, which is packed after playing three straight road games? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um I was telling some of my friends and family, it was one of the loudest games I've ever played in in my football career. So St. Louis definitely showed up and showed out, and that was an atmosphere unlike any other that I think that we'll see in the XFL this year. Now, as a defensive player, you certainly the noise can be a factor, and I know most of the time the crowd tries to tame it down a little bit uh, for the offensive side, but on the defensive side, they're ramping that up. They don't want the other team to hear anything how does that affect you guys on the defense when you're trying to adjust to maybe audibles that are being called and things like that? Yeah, so it, it was a bit of an adjustment. Um, obviously, we played our first three games were on the road, so it, what, we hadn't had to deal with too much crowd noise at that point. Um, but we knew coming into it that it was going to be a raucous crowd, and we had some hand signals going on and uh, just overworked our communication this week. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to continue to work on it and continue to improve, but um, yeah, it was. That's what we want as a defense because that gives offenses fits. Silas Kelly, linebacker for the Battle Hawks, joining us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Now, Silas, you played 
collegiately at Coastal Carolina, which, you know, had, had a couple of uh, really good seasons. And then undrafted free agent, spent a little bit of time with the, the Browns, but I know you had uh, an injury as well in, in preseason. But from the standpoint of practicing in the NFL, and if you saw any game action, what's what's it like comparatively from the NFL and XFL? Because I think from a player standpoint or fan perspective, you know, most of us, most of us are, that's listening, we don't, we're not going to have that opportunity to compare the two. So for you, what's it like? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. So, yeah, like you said, I spent some time with the Browns and in training camp. And um, I'd say the, the biggest difference is just the uh, – I, I don't want to say caliber of player, but the best players are, are very good in the NFL. And all of us here in the XFL are kind of guys that were on the bubble and trying to make it onto a roster in the NFL. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the biggest difference is that, you know, we're all competing amongst the, our, ourselves and – as opposed to going against somebody on a, a four-year, $50 million contract at practice with um, an NFL team. Um, so it, it feels like I'm competing against my peers, and um, I think that everybody else would, would say the same thing, that um, we all feel like we have um, a good chance to show what we can do and, and take it to the next level. Yeah, Silas, a quick question regarding you know being part of the Battle Hawks 2.0, as we've been calling it here, is – you know, it's one thing for a player to join a team that has an established defense, that has a system or plays that they've been working on or calling for a number of years. But it, it seems to me like it would be a little bit of a challenge to jump in with a club where it's all brand new guys learning the system at the same time, and you guys are still fresh into the season. How much, uh, how much does that come into play for you guys to where you feel like you're still learning game in and game out, and how hard was it to pick up all of that? Yeah, it's a unique situation having to, to come into a spot where everybody is new to it, you know, coaches, players included. Um, so we had that time during camp to kind of learn, learn the system as a whole, and for the most part, defensively, the concepts of everything are the same, and it comes down to terminology and talking to each other and getting on the same page and in uh, terms of what, what we call certain techniques and certain plays and, and that type of stuff. So once we got that stuff down, we kind of hit our stride in camp. And um, obviously with each week comes a different game plan and maybe a couple of wrinkles to a different couple of different calls. But for the most part, I think we've handled it pretty well and, and got on track. Battlehawks linebacker Silas Kelly joining us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Were you part of the group that had an opportunity to it's gonna, uh, go around St. Louis, get up in the arch beforehand? How much of the city did you see beforehand? Yeah, so we drove through a little bit uh, from just from the uh, the airport. We drove by the uh, America Dome and got to our hotel, which is right by the arch. I wasn't lucky enough to make it onto the onto the arch, but it, from the guys that went up there, they said it was an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, they get, you know, I guess it took four minutes for them to get bottom to the top of the arch. And um, they sent, showed us some pictures from up there and it looked absolutely unreal. So definitely we'll have to hit that at some point. Yeah, you got to get I mean, have you, how many how long do you have an opportunity when you're in town? Because you guys, you guys are traveling back and forth from Texas to St. Louis. Do you have an opportunity to get to the hill or check out any uh, any great food in St. Louis yet? Yeah, right. So we have we have a little bit of time in the evening, depend, just depending on when we get there. Um, and sometimes on game day early in the morning, depending on if it's an afternoon or night game, we'll have some time. So maybe maybe this coming week I'll have some more time to check it out and kind of get around the city. Silas, what do the players think of the current situation? I'm, I'm kind of 
intrigued as to, you know, how you guys are enjoying the experience of, you know, living in Texas, practicing there, and then traveling to, uh, whether it's a road game or traveling back here to St. Louis. I mean, how different is that, and how do you guys like it? Yeah, it, it definitely is different because, in essence, every game is a road game because you have to travel to it. But it's been it's obviously different because when you walk into that uh, America's Battle Dome um, with 38,000 St. Louis fans screaming, it definitely feels like you're right at home. Um, so the, it's just a minor difference in, in traveling to games and, you know, sharing a plane with the other team. But um, it hasn't really caused much of an issue, and it, it hasn't been, uh, I guess, as tough as some people might think it would be. So, um, yeah, that's all I'd say about that. All right, that leads me right to my next question. I mean, I'm the hockey player here, so I'm I'm looking back at your game against DC. Uh-huh. You guys get a little little scuffle at the end. Was there any carryover onto the plane? Any 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 fists? Any knuckles thrown on the plane? There was not. There were there were no uh, no altercations on the plane. We had a, a calm ride home. Damn it. Yeah, he's not giving, <laughs> Silas isn't giving us a lot, though, so we can totally keep this behind closed doors. Now, you you face him again this weekend, so you got him Saturday at, and I, I picked up on this, I thought this was great, you called it the Battle Dome, oh, which, I which I love. So you guys are hosting D.C. Saturday. This is this is the, the only loss thus far. What What's it like now to face a team for the, for the second time? I tell you what, it feels great. It, it feels great to have another opportunity and to get a little bit of redemption. Obviously, in D.C., they, they've got a pretty good fan base as well, but I think coming into St. Louis and having them play in the Battle Dome will be, will be awesome for, for us uh, personally. And obviously, just playing them again is, is a great opportunity to, to go and, and beat them this time. So we're going to need every St. Louis Battle Hawks fan's help in um, trying to pack out that dome and, and set a new attendance record every week. Oh yeah, DC DC might have a good fan base, but let's let's be honest here. They're they're basically Washington Commander fans. They're dead inside. Okay, yeah. there's nothing left, <laughs> Silas. The, the, DC I has hear you on that. DC has no idea what they're coming into listen, into the battle dome. Listen, I'm a I'm a Maryland guy, so I I understand what you're saying. In terms of <laughs> Trust me, I, I grew up with them, and and they got they haven't had much to cheer for in years. No, when were you born? Like the '90s. Yeah, ninety-eight. Okay, so yeah, they're at, at this point. You're they're they're already transitioning from being like hopeful to again dead inside. So that makes a lot a lot of sense. <laughs> Silas, you're, will you be our guy, man? Will you come on again with us? Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you guys having me on in the first place. No, we we appreciate it. Thank you. We uh, we look forward to it. So we'll uh, we'll see you at the dome again on Saturday. Go get them this time. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Silas. Take care. Right, thanks, Silas. Too. I love that dude. Called it the Battle Dome. Oh, I love it. And how about two? You ask him the 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 chirping. Yeah. A little scuffle at the end of that game, oh, yeah. and he's like, "Oh no, peaceful ride home." That was he was he was Someone a great interview. Somebody had to. Right. He was a great interview. He gave us thoughtful answers. That was the only time he, he kind of cut it cut it short. And he he didn't. He, it's not like he didn't give us a good answer. He gave us a great answer. Just that some things are best kept behind closed doors. One hundred percent. I can't wait for the next game. Honestly, the um, the way that one ended for uh, the the Battle Hawks and the Defenders mm-hmm. um, had everybody excited, including Marshy. He's Marcia's, still excited. He's still excited. Yeah. You can hear his voice. He's thinking out loud. He's yeah. great. Um, but no, they. Uh, I'm anxious <laughs> to see the intensity of this next one. <laughs>
I always feel bad for Marsh and other producers. They, Marsh is like bending down, trying to be as quiet as possible, but yeah. thanking our guest and thanking our guy Thanks, Stully, guys. who who does the uh, PR for for the Battlehawks. He's like hunched down, but you could still hear him. Yeah, but so could you hear me? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Really? Yeah. I yeah, was trying to whisper too about it. The, the, oh, stop it. The people, the people that are still up in the battle yeah. dome, the last seats heard you. I think Marsh, but you know what? Again, this that's a tough. Oh, you were fine. Hey, yeah, by the fine. way. Um, Yesterday, there was this one guy. I don't know who he was. Maybe he worked at the Dome. I I have no idea. But he was sitting all by himself, like, on the complete opposite side of the stadium where there were no seats that were being sold. So it was just one person just sitting there by himself, and it was incredible. I was like, why am I not over there? Well, he needs to be back over there. Yeah, because clearly really does. it's working, he and we got a big game against DC. Section. No, 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 no. They're one and zero. No, they're one and zero at the dome with that guy sitting by himself in that section. Anthony, if we're gonna put more people in the dome, we're gonna have to change mm. the way it looks. I want that section to just yeah. be that guy. Just be, just be that guy. There was a section of how, how many rows around him do you have to keep? Like I want his. I want tape, that to be his. Do you section. tape off like three rows above him, three rows beside him, and three rows below him, and we yes. just leave him? Yeah. Right there. You fill in the rest, but that guy, mm-hmm. he becomes now. Is he an actual the... person? Did you see him move? Or you was... know what's you know what's funny? <laughs> he was there, the and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Wow. What do you mean? When did like, he, he leave? was? I don't know. Speaking I must Chris have been Angel. cheering or something, or maybe I went and grabbed uh, you know an adult beverage. He dropped a ninja bomb. He was yeah. just gone. He goes, my job is done here. <laughs> I took a picture. Butler catches the touchdown. Is like. He's out. I took a picture of it, and he just appears as a white dot on, yeah, my, that makes on sense. my camera. Ooh, an you know? orb. That makes sense. I uh, love it. But, yeah, it was great. You know, we had the, a section of guys with the tarps off, you know. No shirts. They're all hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with the guy who looked like an e- or a, a hawk. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. Listen, yeah. there were Battle some hawk. there yeah. were some critters at this game. That <laughs> I were. absolutely love every mm-hmm. single one of them. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Again, DC's got no idea what they're coming. No, they, coming they really don't. Jordan Te'amu is trying to warn them right now. Yeah. And right now, that's like that buddy that's telling you something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we already beat that. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure it's great. Okay. Oh, I'm sure it's crazy, Jordan. Yeah, all oh, right. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you guys. Ah, yeah, yeah, I we've know. played a road game before. Uh, you know, we get it, Jordan. Uh huh. Yeah. They're going to get what's coming to them. That's for, that's for damn sure. Text line so funny. 314 399 9646. Speaking of the text line, that's your comfort service tax line. If you have a question, that's where to leave it. We got a sports six pack next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. 504, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions for the Sports Six Pack. Question number one. From the 618, I have a question. How come Anthony roots for all the San Jose teams that kill things? Uh, Sharks, earthquakes. Get a heart, Anthony. How about Giants? Giants, yeah. Yeah. Remember Jack and the Magic Beanstalk? That giant's mean. <laughs> that, gi- that giant didn't kill yeah. Jack. No, but he tried. 
Fee-fi-fo-fum! I smell the blood of an Englishman. No? Okay. I thought that was a troll. Was that the giant? No, that was the giant. That's yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk. What does the troll say? What does the troll say? I see. I hear somebody. Hi, Anthony. Nice to meet you. No. The troll? Which one? <laughs> yeah, for uh, Billy Goat Scruff. He's like, yeah, I, I hear somebody up on my bridge. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's under the bridge. Good song. Great song. The only trolls Same that I know place, are the one, uh, the one is the one from uh, Monty Python and the Holy the Holy Grail. Uh-huh. I know that troll. And then obviously yeah, Bowie, Bowie, yeah, for sure. Other than that, I don't know a lot of trolls other than some people on the text line that, you know, text in here and there. But, mm. you know. Anyways. Wow. Uh, I don't root for the sharks or the earthquakes. Did you not hear my notes on City SC? Clearly, I'm a... City fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next. Name Question number two. Player. <laughs> if you were planning a bachelor party and you were 33 years old and you can't pick Vegas, what city would you pick? I'm assuming this person is having a bachelor party and is 33 years old. Wow. There's and a needs, lot. And needs, and needs a planning. It's probably a best man. <sighs> Jamie, you're well traveled. I think yeah. you can answer this better than I can. There's a lot of places, uh, man. So many great places. I mean, New York City is a great spot for a bachelor party. Lots going on there. Uh, Dallas, Dallas is mm. an awesome spot. But like Nashville, is Nashville Nashville's great. Great spot. Yeah. yeah, Nashville's great. I'll give you an update on that. I'll be going to Nashville going. for four days mm. here. So. I actually went to a bachelor party in Nashville last year. How'd it go? It was it was awesome. Yeah, had a great time. You know, here's my philosophy on bachelor parties. Okay, um, <clears throat> Vegas is all great and wonderful and all that. You know, whatever. You're probably going to pay way more money in Vegas than you will anywhere else trying to get this bachelor party off the ground. I, uh, my brother and I have always been a firm believer uh, of one quote that's from a movie. If you build it, they will come. Ah, uh, of course. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So basically, seven, almost. So basically, the concept is bench warmers. Uh, the party is what you make of it, or the bachelor party doesn't matter where you plop that thing. You plop that bachelor party wherever mm-hmm. you can make it a great party. You can have a great time. It doesn't have to be the environment. Shouldn't make the party, Anthony. The party should create the environment. Oh, ooh, I like that. You know, well t-shirts now available, 101ESPN.com. Sure. I'm sure. I like the idea, too, to Jamie's point. If you want to have it out of town, have it at a spot that people can drive to. Like, Nashville's only, what, four and a half hours away? Yeah, it's not too far. Yeah, if you go to Chicago, it's four and a half, five Chicago's hours. Chicago's a good spot, too. Although, you know, I know we hate their their teams, but there's a lot of really a lot good of stuff spots. to do. Yeah. Depends on, it depends on what time of the year, though, it is. Like, right now, with the weather, I don't know if I'd be excited about that, you know? If you want to walk to, walk around downtown. Yeah. Do you, is ground. your bachelor party walking the streets? Or is it like, I don't know. Well, no, but I'd rather it be my, sunny out if I'm, you know. What? Inside of a bar? No, I, I'd rather be outside at a bar. Hmm. They have outside bars now, Jamie. Yeah, I understand. They call them patios. Mark, yeah. you've been around for a while. Wow, this um, is interesting. Quite a while. This back and forth is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I was on patios is before you were born, like? son. Is this what it's like, Anthony? You guys do this every day. Uh, Marsh, I, I'm just, I'm just here for the, the bickering. 
<laughs> I'm asking, is this the euphoric feeling that you get when you go back and forth? Uh, yes, Jamie. 100%. Nice. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so anyways, sure. I, so I think we kind of got... Yeah, I mean, there's Na- some hot spot. You Nashville. Go south- Let's go Nashville. Nashville, South Beach. I mean, there's a lot of awesome places out there, but for for money-wise and, and time and all that stuff, Nashville's fantastic. Right down Broadway there, take in Tootsie's. It's a great little country mm. bar that absolutely is slammed all the time. They would love to celebrate your bachelor party mm-hmm. with you. It's my starter whenever I go there. Yeah, there you go. Question number three. All right, we get a question from Eagleton Mediation Group. That's what it's, that's oh, what it's labeled. Yeah, okay. here we go. Can you guys explain Jordan Walker's contract and how the Cardinals can send him down to save money and control him for another year if it's not on the starting roster? Yeah, so there is a certain date in which if the Cardinals wait, just like the Cubs do with Chris Bryant, if, if they wait until that date i can't remember what the actual date is i can look it up but if they wait to that spot and then bring him up afterwards they have another full year of control of jordan walker so he would have to go through the arbitration process for another year after after that and then before he becomes a free agent so as soon as you bring them up, boom, clock starts, arbitration process is, is going to kick in. So if you can delay that for a year, you essentially have him under control for a full full year, if that makes sense. Kind of hard to explain, but... No, he did great, Anthony. That's what the Cubs do with Chris Bryant. They take them off. And then as soon as he became a free agent, he left. Actually, I'm sorry, he got traded. But they got, knew, they knew he was going to be... He wasn't going to re-up with them. So they decided to trade him. He goes to the Giants and then eventually signs with the Rockies. It's it's a risk. Plus, if the guys, if the kid's ready to go, which it looks like he is, don't you want him from day one? Yes. So, I'm the only one that's been wanna, saying that. You, Yeah, Jamie, you're the only one, period. The mm-hmm. only one, like, in anywhere. I feel bad that I, I haven't been saying it for so long like Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. We all wish we could be more. Yeah. I've been saying like it since James. they yeah. created patios. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Next thing you know, Greg Amsinger is going to start saying it. Oh, well, that'll, oh, be, probably. that'll be this yeah, week. Be three days from now. The opening drive. Mm-hmm. Question number four. All right. Sticking with baseball, we touched on the, uh, the create your own jerseys uh, that Great Britain had. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, I guess they're still wearing them. But from the 618, I know Great Britain's uniforms are terrible. But which one do you guys think is the sweetest? I like Venezuela. Well, I like the United States of America. It's a good, it's a good answer. Draped in that beautiful American flag. Come on, Jamie. They're not, they're not wearing the flag. They wear them beforehand and in, in pictures. They can't play with them on though. Well, of course, I didn't say that. So that's not it's really not part a cape. of the uniform. Well, technically, they do have the American flag. Yeah, right on there on the chest. They don't have it draped across their shoulders. They Anthony's have, painting have a false draped. picture. Like I said, it's in the picture. And then they go out there. Can they play? Do they play with the flag draped over their shoulders? No. No, they, they, they do exactly. play with it in their hearts, though. I, I totally the, agree with that. Totally agree with that. Uh, USA is a great uniform. I, I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't seen every single uniform in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, paying attention, of course, to all of our Cardinal guys and the teams that they play on in, in Canada. Canada's pretty mid. I think it's like it's it's fine. A lot of red. It's, it's, but, which is fine. I get it. 
Uh, to me, they should have had big maple leaf prominent on the hat. Like, bam. Yeah. You know? But USA is great. Yeah, I like those two. Honestly, I think we're more passionate against Great Britain's uniforms than we are for a certain uniform. I need to know what the yeah, I hate them way more than I like. love the USA yeah. uniform. Yeah. What? I need to know what the white Great Britain uniforms look like. Do they look different? No. Uh, yeah, they do. They do. Okay. They look, they're Is it white. the GB on the side? No, no. They're white with black lettering. The same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. They're way different. Yeah. Way different. I like the United States jerseys. I really, there's not one jersey though that really pops out. I'm like, ooh, that's that's awesome. Like mm. they're all, you know, they're they're good. They're fine. They're, they're not great though, in my opinion. They're not great. So, question number five. All right, this one comes from the six one eight. Who do you believe so far has made the best moves in the NFL this early on in the whatever it's called? The, the false free legal agency. tampering period. Yeah. Uh, love what the Bears have done. The Bears, the Bears have a lot of holes to address. And when you bring in somebody like uh, Edwards, former linebacker for the Bills, uh, plus made made the the trade last week, not necessarily a free agent thing but you got to include dj Moore in that it was a player that they acquired i think the bears have done very well i think that the 49ers bringing in javon hargrave to add to that that defensive line this is what i talk about adding to a strength did the 40 the 49ers need another pass rusher no but that unit looks absolutely unstoppable right now you're adding hargrove to a to a defensive line that was already unstoppable in some respects so i love what they did uh and i'm biased here but the falcons addressing their defense and bringing in uh jesse bates the former safety for the Bengals, on a on a huge deal and they spent a ton of money today 200 million in fact in contracts because they signed they re-signed chris lindstrom their their guard uh, but i like what the falcons have done they also got a defensive tackle on yamada from the saints to shore up the defensive line. So I like I like those teams. I mean, the teams that's got cap space, they're the ones that are going to kind of win early. But I like what the Bears did. I like what the 49ers did. And I like what the Falcons did. Question number six. Final question from the 314. It's a two-part question. One, who's your national champion? So who are you picking to win the national championship, college basketball, in Question number two in this two-part question is, will Jamie remember who he picked? I, I forgot last year, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Did you? Yeah. I was, I was. I mean, I was I was set. I couldn't remember. <laughs> hey, set it, forget it. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Why do you find that surprising? I don't find it surprising. I find it hilarious. I don't remember. I don't remember that you forgot. <laughs> I totally forgot. I couldn't remember. I was like trying to fire through... The old papers and change. Who who did I have? Yeah, I had that team. Maybe I ended up doing not too bad in the bracket challenge. Either. Nice job. Just goes to show you. <laughs> I like UConn. They're a four seed. I think they're going to make the final four. I think that they're they're a team there that's kind of off the radar. I I really like UCLA. I know they got some injury issues now, and they lost Arizona in the Pac-12 championship, uh, the tournament. But I like UCLA. I like UConn. Ah, I, I'm. I mean, I, 
outside of that, you know, Alabama's really strong, but I, I don't know if they make it to the dance this year. I'm Kansas going with a, a little bit spot. of chalk on this one. I'm going with Houston. I know that it's not like a massive surprise, but I'm going with Houston. I think that uh, for me, they're, from what I have seen, mm-hmm. read, and heard, they, it's a pretty good team. It is, yeah. They've been. If I'm going to pick they, one they that's lost. a little bit off the radar here, um, you know, Arizona, too, for me, could be a team that surprises. I think one of the more balanced teams in the nation, too, that not a ton of people are talking about. They're talking about them a little bit more this weekend is Texas. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I like Texas. I like UConn. I like UCLA. All, all to make uh, deep runs. I like uh, Marquette. Marquette's got a great offense. I like Marquette. I was watching them earlier in the season in the one basketball game that I watched, uh, college basketball game, that is. Um, you know, during this stretch, of course, you know, the uh, the tournament in March is exciting. So start to, <laughs> ramp, not to, start to it? ramp it up a little bit more. <laughs> You're walking through the minefield. Yeah. Trying Anyways, not to say it. Marquette was the, the team. I'm like, I like this team, so I'm picking them. I like them in the men's basketball tournament that is played mostly in March. Why? What can't you say? <laughs> There's a lot of madness that typically goes on when you're talking about the college basketball in this month. Hmm. By the way, we got a text from the 314 earlier today. This was supposed to be sent to the opening drive. In opening the show and discussing March Madness, no mention of SEMO anywhere. Yeah, a Division the- One school in OVC of 12,000 students and 100 miles south of St. Louis. No mention. Although they are the 16 seed, it's been since 2000 SEMO's made the dance. If the line I get a mention, a Missouri State Public School should as well. Come on, respect. Yeah, Absolutely. Guys, we're giving the respect Sorry, right I have a here. SEMO. Uh, I, I have a rebuttal here. The opening drive absolutely talked about them. Well, maybe they did. They absolutely talked about them. They talked about SEMO. Uh, of course, they talked about, uh, uh, I forget, uh, Mizzou, and they talked about you know the tournament, but they did talk about SEMO. Nice. So I'll have to uh, push back in your face. You know what that is? Whose face? The texter's face? Whoever wants it, in. Who are you getting? Oh, man. Hey, you know what that is? It's being a good teammate. That is. It's a good teammate move right there by yeah, Jamie. Yeah, Totally. It'd be nice if we got that for. And if they missed it, if they missed it for whatever reason, I can always download the opening drive podcast on 101ESPN.com or the mobile app brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. Well said there, Jamie. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Cardinals got a lot of outfielders that are hitting well right now. Should they look to trade somebody early in the season? Probably. I'm getting to that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Tyler O'Neill, we talked about him earlier in the show today, coming off a, a really great appearance in the WBC. He's somebody that. Eh, kind of slow out of the gates this year, but now he's he looks like he's turning it up a little bit. Dylan Carlson has been excellent offensively in spring training. We know about Jordan Walker. And then you got Lars Taylor Tetsuinu Bar, who's doing his thing for Team Japan, playing center field, leading off, pepper grinding all over the place. So the question now becomes, Jamie, mm. well, if all these guys are hitting well, do you trade one of them 
early in the season. I don't. I don't either. I don't. I mean, look, at you, the moment you trade one, a couple things are going to happen. You're either going to run into an injury uh-huh. situation, somebody cools down, or the guy you traded absolutely heats up. Yeah. Nope, not Should've doing it. Should have traded the other guy. Yeah, no, not doing it. Uh, I hate to say this, but I'm going to put my Mo hat on here for a second, which, by the way, what kind of a hat do you think Mo wears? Hmm. Like, it's not a baseball hat. As much as he's a baseball president of operation, it's not a baseball hat. It's probably uh, – it's not a fedora. What's no, the, it's what's the, the Peaky fl- Blinders hat Yes, for it's like sure. the flat – what's that called? It's got almost got like a snap button in front. Yeah, the Irish cap. Yes. Yeah. I would say it's that. I don't know. He's not going with like a fedora. What about a visor? Is he just wearing a oh, visor? Oh, yeah, it's a visor, I guess, probably. <laughs> like a polo visor? Maybe, Yeah. Maybe he's a no hat kind of guy. I've never I, seen Mo in a hat. Do you think he's a backward backwards hat kind of guy? Oh, our Mo with the back tat, back tat, Maybe. backwards no. hat. Maybe I don't. Think well, so. either way, we can think about that. It's probably got the baseball hat with the flat brim. Oh, the, oh, the Anthony Reyes style. Yeah, it just doesn't. He yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it's just got the flat. Mo thing. loves Colby that look. Rasmus yeah, look. He loves that probably. Look. Mm-hmm. One thing Mo uh, is going to do if all of these guys continue to hit and put out offensively the way they have, he's gonna he's gonna manipulate the system. I don't mean it in a, like in an evil way, but you have options on some of these guys, and one of those guys is Jordan Walker. Mm-hmm. You're gonna use the options on him, and I don't know who else has options left on their contract, uh, but whoever has options will be optioned. And whoever doesn't will be with the big club. And you'll he'll roll with four outfielders and they'll just kind of platoon it from there and whoever's hitting will play or situational hitting or they might roll one of those guys into a DH. Yeah. I'm not trading yet. In fact, I wouldn't even look to trade any of them until the trade deadline. Yeah. To where hopefully they're all playing well and you can move somebody and maybe get that top end of the rotation type guy. But Anthony, I, I'm not. I'm not making that deal. Here's the other thing: there is no deal to be made. And I know we we opened up this discussion, but we opened it up because we've gotten text messages and tweets that say, "Well, why don't how, why don't you explore a trade, get some pitching?" As soon as you decide to kind of force a trade, that is when you make a bad decision, in my opinion. If one comes to you, and then you have a decision to make, like a Juan Soto hits the trade market last year. That is when you say, okay, what are we willing to give up within our organization to get a Juan Soto? Or what are we willing to give up for player X if one becomes available? If not, sit on your depth for a while. There, it, Max Scherzer's not available right now. Justin Verlander's not available right now. So if you're thinking, well, just trade one of these guys and get a starting pitcher, name one that's going to make a huge difference that is available right now. If you've got one, then we can talk. But for now, roll with that depth. And here's what I think happens, Jamie. And I was all about this guy coming into spring training. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to be the year. I wonder if Juan Yepes is the is one of them that go. It was one of the players that goes down. And you think about the Does roster he have options. He's got to. Right? He's, I think he's. I think he has to. That's a good question. I. I. I you know what I should have checked before I said this. But if. I think it's going to be Alec Burleson that goes that goes down to Memphis. Oh, for sure. You don't have enough playing time. You don't have enough playing time to have. Enough. He hasn't wowed anybody. He said, you know, he said a couple of uh, he's had a couple of good games, but when it comes to where we are now with Burleson and getting the playing time, 
he's he's got to go to Memphis. You can't have somebody like that on a bench, a young player like that on the bench. Juan Yepes to me falls into the category of well, you can he was supposed to be kind of a of a platoon. That was the idea. Yepes, Gorman, they'll platoon at DH. Yepes has options. Okay, two so options. I think he I think he definitely goes to Memphis to start the year. And then you free up the platoon spot. So Gorman's got half that platoon. And then you free up the other half for your extra outfielder slash Wilson Contreras. Because Wilson Contreras is going to he's gonna be a DH once or twice per week. This isn't somebody that's going to catch as much as Yachty did. We saw that and how the Cubs utilized him. I can't imagine that the Cardinals are going to say, yeah, you know what, forget that. That worked out well for them. We're not going to do that with, with Contreras. So you don't have this clear platoon spot at DH that doesn't include Contreras. So I think Juan Yepes is somebody that winds up being in Memphis too, and then you utilize that DH spot when you don't play Gorman for one of the other outfielders. And then you just go with the, the, uh, you just go with the rotation early on. It's a good problem to have, Jamie. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie, how about we talk about one of the uh, greatest blues to ever play? And somebody that was beloved by the fan base. We're not talking about Jamie. Not this time. What? Jamie's got an interesting comparable. Next to 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I know that uh, you wanted to spend a little time talking about one of the finest players in St. Louis Blues history. Uh, somebody, at least, I mean, even up until the end when things got a little weird. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko has always been the guy that, yeah. you know, over the last, I would say, decade for the Blues has been the guy. Mm-hmm. And you've got some numbers that you wanted to go over about. Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, so when when looking at Vladimir Tarasenko in his career, um, you know, obviously, I don't think anybody would argue that Vladimir Tarasenko is one of the most dynamic players that we've had here since the you know 2012-2013 rookie campaign. One of the most dynamic guys. Heck, he was on the cover of the NHL uh, video game. So he's he's been like the poster child for you know your superstars in a Blues uniform in the last. 10 years. And so I just wanted to highlight a few things that Vladimir Tarasenko um, in his third year had 73 points in his fourth year had 74 points. And after his fourth year, Vladimir Tarasenko signed an eight year, $7.5 million contract annually. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for a guy who's scoring 73, 74 points. Mm -hmm. Um, he also had, he had hit 40 goals at that point in his fourth year, 40 goals. So monumental for sure. And um, there's another player, though, another young player that's out there that's a comparable. So if the Blues were going to add a guy mm-hmm. in the offseason, 
um, this player could potentially be a Vladimir Tarasenko-esque player. Wow. And so when I when I look at the stats of this young player, as I pull it up here, there we go. <clears throat> he He's only got, this is his third full season in the NHL. Uh, but in his first season in 55 games, he had 35 points. His second season in 74 games played, he had 75 points. And so far this year, this young player has 63 points in 63 games. So he's a point of point of game guy last year, point of game guy this year. Uh, he's currently on a two point eight million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested in signing that player if you're the Blues? Absolutely. Potential alone, right? Like, yes. You have to look at his in three years. In his second year, he got to seventy five points. It took Vladimir Tarasenko two, three, four, five years to get to seventy five points. Mm-hmm. What if I told you you already have that player? I would call you a bleeping liar. Yeah, it's Jordan Cairo. What? Jordan Cairo uh, sits right now at 63 points in 63 games. He's a 30 goal scorer. Potentially, he might get he might get to 40. Outside chance, I think he definitely gets to 35. And and so here's where I go with this. In his second year of full time in the NHL, we just talked about it. 75 points. If you mirror his career right now with Vladimir Tarasenko, it's better than what Vladdy started his career at. And Vladimir Tarasenko, if you go to his stats page, the highest points he ever got was last year, 82 points in 75 games. Jordan Cairo has already hit the 75-point total as a young man in this league. Now, Vladdy also had some health things over the course of his contract, his career with the Blues. He had the shoulder thing. and He had several different things that kept him out of the lineup, and so far, knock on wood, Jordan Cairo has not had those hurdles. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean they won't happen; just hasn't had them yet. So when I when when I listen to people um, that are so angry at Jordan Cairo and celebrate Vladimir Tarasenko up until he asked for a trade, because your opinion may have tra- changed after that. Had Vladimir Tarasenko never asked for a trade. A lot more people than not would be like, man, he's one of the greatest blues of all time. Why aren't you giving that same um, chance to Jordan Cairo? That's a great question. Because Vladimir Tarasenko, I don't think anybody had ever circled him as a Selkie Trophy winner, which is the best defensive forward in the NHL. And how many years was Vladdy considered to be uh, pretty much a one-way player and then uh, at times – Hard to motivate, at times difficult to work with on the power play. I would say all but one. Right? And Jordan Cairo is in his third full season with the Blues. And then I, I go back to the contract thing. People are like, well, Cairo, eight years, eight million a year. You had Tarasenko at eight years times 7.5 million, and that contract was signed way back when. So when you do the inflation and all that in the market of the, the – what are we complaining about here? You have a player that is really young, has flaws in his game, 100%. But he also has the ability to go a point a game or greater. And Vladimir Tarasenko played on some really good teams, too. In that 10 years, really good teams. Teams that were over 100 points, 107 points one year for the club overall. Like Jordan Cairo played on a good team. 
last year. They made the playoffs. They got in, and this year's a bit of a retool year. So a lot of the weapons that might have been available to help Jordan Cairo and even create more offense for Jordan Cairo are not there. Mm-hmm. So Cairo is kind of doing this not on his own because he's got Thomas and Booch and he's got some great players around him. But I just get frustrated when I hear people uh, celebrate Vladimir Tarasenko, which he should be. I'm not taking anything away from Vladimir Tarasenko. This is not at all the point of my discussion here. The point of my discussion is you have a great young player that has all the capabilities of being a much more dominant offensive player than Vladimir Tarasenko, yet we're nitpicking and worried about the money when you literally had the same obstacles with Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, it's a it's a great point. I was going to ask you about okay, what when did Vladdy get paid compared to Cairo? Because that that usually is the thing that frustrates fans. Is always oh, making all this money. Why isn't he winning the Stanley Cup every year or an MVP every year? But as you as you've illustrated, Tarasenko also got paid. What would you say after his third year or? After his fourth year. After his fourth year. So So same thing. Very comparable. Same thing, really, because just because this is Jordan Cairo's uh, third full year, his contract kicked in in 2018-2019, so he's been an NHL contracted player for one, two, three, four. This is actually his fifth year. Mm -hmm. So in his sixth year of NHL contracted players, will kick in the big money. So you paid Vladdy sooner to which I would say is probably equal amount or even greater based on the inflation of the market in the NHL. And he hadn't even given you what Cairo has given you so far. So I just I just find the discussion to be interesting. And I, I, I feel like, you know, the fans sometimes look at things differently than they should. I wonder if we kind of touched on this in the office, but at the time when Tarasenko was coming up, there wasn't a guy on the team where you were like, yes, this is our superstar. Like Tarasenko was that guy. He was the first superstar, in my opinion, that the Blues had on their team uh, after the lockout. He was like the guy. He was on the he was on the cover of NHL. Like that's a huge thing. And so I think Blues fans sort of maybe looked past the whole 200-foot aspect of his game and I think when 2019 came around and we finally were like, hey, we got a team that can win this whole thing. We Expectan- start to, expectations expectations changed. change in terms of what Craig Berube wanted from his players and what fans expected players to start giving now that we have seen what this team can do under Craig Berube. That's a good point. And now we're not seeing that from certain players. And I think a lot of fans were getting a little irritated at Tarasenko's game at the end of his career with the Blues because he wasn't doing those things. One thing I'll add to this, too, is Kairou's already got an all-star game under his belt. Mm-hmm. Take that for what it's worth. And let's be honest, Kairou should have been Probably at the all-star two. game mm-hmm. this year. How Vladimir Tarasenko got picked over Jordan Kairou, to me, is still mind-boggling. But I look at the ceiling of this player. I think Vladdy hit his ceiling a long mm-hmm. time ago. I do. I don't think you'll ever see a point of game for Vladdy. Vladdy's actually struggling right now in mm-hmm. New York with the Rangers. Only played 13 minutes the other night. Has about similar numbers uh, that Sammy Blay has. It, I mm-hmm. believe he almost identical yeah. numbers to Sammy Blay. And that's, again, this is not a slight on Vladimir Tarasenko. This is me trying to um, just bring to light the ceiling of what you have here in Jordan Cairo. If he, like, not if, when he figures out consistently how to use his speed and his shot, shoot the puck more, create more offense, 
He's second in the NHL since March 1st in scoring chances. Do you know who first is? Connor McDavid. Do you know how many chances he's got more than Jordan Cairo? Two. Wow. Two more scoring chances than Jordan Cairo. So look at the big picture here. You've got a guy that's, yes, under contract, eight years, eight million. It's going to look like a deal in four years from now for the St. Louis Blues. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. What you miss, criticisms, compliments, next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Love the show today. Love the participation. If you missed any of it, make sure you go to 101ESPN.com or download the podcast on the 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. Don't forget first round of the action of the NCAA tournament. It tips off this Thursday and Friday. We're going to be max at downtown Alton. You can join us 2 to 6. Why don't you come out a little bit earlier too? BK and Ferrario from 11 a.m. to 2. We also have the Pick'em Challenge at 101ESPN.com. Brought to you by Neutral and Twin Peaks. For Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate you joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.